Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special edition of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show. It's a qu it's quarterly pay-per-view time, so you know what that means. It's time for a preview show for an AEW pay-per-view, as we usually do here. It's the Big Double or Nothing 2023 show that's coming up uh, as we're recording this in just a little over a week. But uh, we're going to be breaking it down, and I'm talking in the uh, second-person Form, not because, you know, I'm trying to cut a promo and sound better than I am. No, I actually have with me today, joining me live, well, live, live right now. This is what I do. I, I take a tangent and then I, I, I get sucked into a vortex of nonsense. Looks, look, I've got the host of the Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast on Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network and a, a frequent contributor to WrestleNomics, Jesse Collings is with us. How you doing, Jesse? I'm doing great, Warren. I'm, I'm glad to be on, on this show. Warren, of course, you were a guest on my show about a month ago now, uh, my show, The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, which people can listen to on any of their podcast app uh, choices. Uh, Look at you following and, you know, the outline. That's what you That's what you absolutely need to do. You got to plug yourself. Tell us what you do. Yeah, and right leave, a, leave, a, leave a review for the podcast, too. That's also, I'm also told that's very important to, to leave reviews of podcasts and make sure it's five stars. If, if, if you know, if it's a three-star review, that's okay. You don't have to review it. But if you have a five-star review, please review it. But, of course, we talked about CM Punk and the CM Punk situation on uh, on that podcast, which I said was like a month ago, which, I'm you know, I don't think anything has happened in the last month to really – uh, change that podcast. Oh, no, it's all very topical. And there's been absolutely no news about CM Punk since then. So, you know, we won't we won't sound out of date about about things. But um, if people want to listen to that, uh, you know, they can feel free to check it out. But I'm very happy to return the favor. You were kind enough to appear on my podcast um, when we had never communicated uh, via video chat before. Um, so I'm happy to return the favor and and do a little. They call this in they call this in a in soccer a home and home kind of uh, split. What's a home and home split? Like I'm I'm I have cursory knowledge of so of soccer slash football, but me, this is this is terminology that I am not aware of. What is home and home? You get a home game and I get a home game. Oh, okay, just as simple as that. Yes, so like it, a two leg kind of thing. Yeah. I, so I had the home game first, and now I now I have to go on the road. I have to appear on your show. Gotcha. All right. But it, it, it was a good time. And yeah, like, you know, turns out it, it was pretty much evergreen content that we made. You know, it's like there's there, there's something that that that'll just endure the test of time because Phil keeps proving us right. <laughs> you know, so many people do podcasts where they review Raw or they review Dynamite or they review SmackDown or they review any any kind of like regular show because it happens every week because you'll always have something to talk about. We're going to review Raw. We're going to review SmackDown. That's why, you know, Wrestling Observer Radio is always on, you know, Monday nights and now Wednesday nights because they always have something to talk about, even if there's light on news. Um, but you really could do a weekly podcast just talking about CM Punk over the last like six months. Like just what what no, have we learned about CM Punk in the last six days? And then you could probably fill an hour podcast each week because I think it would probably get boring over a period of time, but it's not like there's a shortage of, of rumors and scuttlebutt that come out to talk about each week. And then, and then, and then it's the application of all of this into like, if I had like a psychology degree, you know, or something like that, then the, you know, to apply your, that level of knowledge to his behavioral patterns. Right. And then create, create like an actual psychological profile. Like, you know, we all try to do it where it's like, Oh, you know, he carries his grievances and all that to a degree, but having like really something 
you know, clinical that you could uh, that you could bring forth as you know diagnostics. You know, it's like uh, that would be interesting. Well, you know, the, the topic of that the title of that podcast was "Why can't we stop talking about CM Punk? What is it about him that makes him so dominant in yeah. the the discourse?" And I mean, the last again, the last month, just more and more evidence of that. He's the number one story in wrestling every week. It's fascinating, and it's a, and it was a fun podcast. I was really, um, well, I, I don't want to oversell it, but I was very honored, Jesse, because one of the things that I really like about what you do uh, and what the Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast does, uh, of which I am a listener, so everyone should subscribe because you know you can't have your own personality or opinions; you have to follow mine. Um, the, the, what I really like about what you do is that, like you said, you know, you don't just oh, what happened this week in wrestling, and I was like. You you try to take a a more high level approach, you know, a higher bird's eye vision of of what's happening, and try to sort of break down the ancillary topics. You know, well, why is this happening? As opposed to this is happening, and this is how I feel. You know, we can well, why is this happening? Let's try and piece things together. Uh, dare I say, it's a little more uh, for the thinking wrestlers, uh, thinking wrestling fan. Uh, and I really appreciate that. And I, I, I and it's it's a tribute to the work you do as well with Brandon as well over at, at WrestleNomics. There's you know you put a lot of thought uh, into into what you do as opposed to a lot of us you know guilty as charged where you know sometimes you just you're you're you're, you're speaking with your with your fists clenched. You know. <laughs> well, I appreciate the kind words, Warren. And yeah, definitely. Like you know, I've been doing the podcast, not nearly as long as, you know, you've been doing this show um, and how a lot of people have been doing their show. So I've kind of hammered around like, you know, what, what do I want the podcast to be? What do I want it to, to say? What, what is going to be our hook for people? Right. Sure. Um, I, I, I never wanted to like, let's talk about the attitude era, like one of those podcasts <laughs> or I certainly have never had any interest in hosting a podcast with like a, a retired wrestler or, or figure in, in wrestling where you just kind of, talk about their career or read off news stories and have them react to them like like a lot of other people do um and i didn't want to just review shows and so one of the things that has kind of kind of established hopefully establishing it as a brand is kind of what you described is kind of like these kind of high level conversations about wrestling that um like you're gonna like i don't want to say like you don't hear about them anywhere else but they're going to be discussed in a way that a lot of places are not going to discuss them. And I do think there's a real, and I think the, the VOW network in general does a really good job across all of the shows on the network of doing this. But mm -hmm. I think when you look at like the top 100 Apple, you know, podcast charts, there's a real um, need there for like, high level hardcore fan serving wrestling discussion Re real hardcore fan not like a hardcore fan that watches every wwe show and a little bit of AEW, or maybe they watch dynamite every week and, and raw and smackdown like a really um in-depth hardcore fan the way that there are for you know there's a million um like basketball podcasts and some of the basketball podcasts are gonna talk about the Lakers and LeBron James and Steph Curry and the Warriors and like the big teams most of the time. And some of the, there's other many good basketball podcasts. They're going to talk about smaller teams and the X's and O's and like quote unquote boring stuff. And those serve an audience. I just don't think that that's there um, in wrestling, the same volume. 
and I'm happy to contribute that. And I think you do a great job as well. Will. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I try to do a, a mix of both. Um, but I appreciate there's, it. There's room for everything, right? Yeah. There's room for everything. No, that's it. Like, you know, we have the impression that, there's, you know, that there's only a few, uh, like we're still on radio, you know, where it's like, you know, oh, there's only a few slots available on the FM dial. But no, I mean, this is, it's the freaking internet. We can. Yeah. And, and I'm not trying to, I've said this many times, like, I'm not trying to cater to like the biggest audience possible. Mm. Because right. then I would talk about WWE every week. Um, and I'd be probably a little and bit friendlier you, towards WWE. And you'd be doing these every week, you know. Hey, everyone, put up. You know, I'm saying, right. Yeah, put up your ones. But it's, it's yeah, it's more like, um, like I know that there's like probably a pretty small uh, market on like people who are going to listen to my show. But I want to serve those people that small market as, as best as possible. And basically, I just want to have give a, a long form piece to, to to allow me to talk about wrestling. That's there really why all of that's really why all of us start podcasts, yeah, right? Exactly. You you just you just hit it on the head right there. Well, uh, I I strongly uh, strongly hope that uh, uh, that y'all check out uh, Jesse's stuff. Uh, as I said, he's also a frequent contributor on WrestleNomics, and it's a bit of a bit on the Mister Warren Hayes show where I plug WrestleNomics every week because I'm always referencing the work uh, that you all do, and you know. So, it, it, you know, so it's so uh, as per usual, there you have it. The weekly WrestleNomics infomercial, folks, right there. We've, we, I was able to squeeze this one into the AEW preview show as well. So let's get to it, actually, Jesse. Double or nothing 2023, as I mentioned, as uh, when I started off the show, when we uh, as we're recording this, we're about a week away. We got some matches that popped up on uh, Dynamite earlier this week. A few more added on Rampage last night. So I think we have a pretty fleshed out card. I don't think we're going to be missing anything significant, I don't think. But before we actually start about start talking about the, uh, uh, the card itself, uh, what I like to do is, uh, before we get into it, Jesse, is get a bit of a feeling, you know, on how we felt about the... the how we got to double or nothing, how the card feels, you know, and some other podcasts, they'll say, what's your temperature about this? You know, but on all levels, you know, if I were, if we were to, if I were to throw it to you to start this, what's your gut reaction? How do you feel about uh, double or nothing 2023 and how we got here this year? Yeah. I'm not sure if this is everyone's experience because everyone's going to be a little bit different, but the circles that I'm in, this fe feels like the build for this card has been really maligned. Um, it does not feel as hot as your typical AEW pay-per-view. Mm -hmm. People are very critical of the main event, the the four pillars four-way match. Um, and I don't necessarily disagree with any of the criticisms aimed at this card, but I do think that it's probably been a little bit better than I think people are, 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 are kind of the way people are discussing it, the way what I hear which is everyone's like, oh, this card's going to be bad. Everything is bad. I'm not into any of these matches except maybe the, the Anarchy in the Arena match. Um, I'm a little bit more optimistic about the card and the show. I'm excited for it. And I think, yes, has it been disappointing in certain areas for sure. But at the same time, I think there's a lot of good stuff that's happened on Dynamite the last month or so. I think for the most part, a lot of these feuds have been well executed. And that there are long-standing issues between most of the parties um, in this on this show. I feel like they've a lot of them have had you know a m month or two or more of builds. Mm -hmm. Is it the most exciting card? No. Um, 
Have there been, is it going to be the best AEW pay-per-view ever? Probably not, but it's still pretty good. And I think mm-hmm. that's maybe getting lost, especially because the main event in particular has been uh, kind of a lightning rod for criticism and, and for good reason, because I don't, I think there's been a lot of miscues leading up to it. But overall, I would say like for you to tell me like, what do I think about this pay-per-view right now? You know, a week before it happens, if I were to give it like a grade, I'd say like a B minus, like, I don't think it's that bad. I, um, I, you know, I, I've been trying to nuance on my own side and saying, look, you know, the AEW pay-per-views are generally, generally don't miss, right? Overall, we get into these, we get into these shows and we've, we've had this situation before where people come into the, the, the pay-per-view and they're like, man, this thing is going to suck, you know, or it's like the, the matches or so on and so on. But the, like outside of the matches themselves, because there are some very fun matchups on the card, um, I I like to get excited about my wrestling shows, you know. Yeah, I I like to get excited about sitting down to watch some professional wrestling, and I'm not I'm I'm not getting that vibe from this show. I'm not like excited to sit down and rub my hands and go like from top to bottom. This is you know so many so many things I want to see. You know, we're, we're a far cry from. You know everything that was coming together for from for Revolution last February, which we could argue was also lightning in a bottle for n- numerous reasons. Everything was just was just clicking. Uh, they were doing everything. Every everything was 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 going. They were doing everything right essentially. Whereas here, sure, I mean the you know the main event is what it is. I am not a fan. I am a, a, a you know I I have very I can't my my stance is very clear i think it stinks the match will probably be a lot of fun but i have no interest in watching it for me it's a one match show it's really the 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 anarchy in the arena that's doing it for me where i'm like okay i'm 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 ready to watch it now because everything else feels just well it's it's just there and now saddled on top of that you have everything everything feels like it has a stipulation which also sort of I'm like man <laughs> it's it it I it, like it doesn't even on that level it doesn't even like it doesn't feel like an AEW pay-per-view where it's just like you you have these straight up matches where you know there's a couple you know that we'll discuss as we're breaking down but where are the straight up matches why why aren't we having just a straight up one-on-one and we can and and, and we'll enjoy it for what it's worth I don't know if it's a des- I don't want to call it a desperation tactic, but if it's something that Tony decided to layer on because he's feeling he's maybe he's seeing the criticism. Well, you know he's seeing the criticism, and maybe he's like, "Oh, well, I need to add some spice to this uh, to this chili here." I don't know. You know, th- 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 does that make sense? Yeah, I know for sure. I think you, what what you just described is I feel like the general consensus amongst people. People are into the anarchy in the arena match and the feud between the elite and the Blackpool Combat Club and everything else is, you know, I'm not n- n- is forgettable. Um, and I think like you also said like there's something about like AEW has established such a high baseline for its pay per views that even people that are really down on this show. I pretty much admitted like, but the show will still be good. And that's kind of been reflected. Dave Meltzer was talking about this earlier this week, talking about the pay-per-view buy number for the show. And 
his basically said was, you know, we've had plenty of shows where people are like the build's not that good. The pay-per-view number is going to do, you know, much lower than it normally does. And they basically do the same every time. And mm -hmm. he said that's largely because even if the build is not that good and there's not a ton of matches people are, are dying to see on the show, the fact is when AEW has a pay-per-view, the sh matches are usually pretty good and the show has a high level of, of entertainment value. Um and people feel like they get their money's worth, so they keep coming back even if the build isn't necessarily as hot. I mean, the four-pillar match, I think, like, pretty much everyone that I've talked to, even people that are like, oh, you know, I don't like it, it's been a terrible build, pretty much everyone is like, yeah, but the match itself is going to be good. Like, these guys are going to try to kill each other to have sure. a great main event. Um, and so is that going to get money from people? Yes. Uh, but at the same time, I think what you said is, is, you know, very valid in the sense of, like, yeah, the show will be good, but I also like to be excited and part of the, the fun is oh man I, I can't wait to for for you know seven eight o'clock you know to roll mm -hmm. around so i can turn on the show and i can you know i've got i just ordered my pizza i've got some drinks in front of me like I've got friends coming over whatever you're doing for the pay-per-view like getting hyped up for the show and that buzz just is not there um for double or nothing no. and you that's know you mentioned one. this yeah and you mentioned the stipulations like that's one of those things where it's like i think for some reason Wrestling fans are like in a consensus agreement that like an ideal wrestling card for pay-per-view seems to be like if you have eight matches on a show, like six of them should be basically traditional matches. Maybe you have tag matches or or whatever, but they should just be regular wrestling matches. Is that wrong? Is that is that not a good idea? Uh well, I'm, what I'm pointing out here is that, and then like you have one, you know, match that's like a street fight, and then you maybe have another match that is like, you know, maybe it's a, a, a cage match, match yeah. or, or a ladder match or something like that. Yet, like pretty much every pay per view, I feel like, especially every AEW pay per view, has like half of the matches at the minimum are like a stipulation match. Um, and those are all well received. So, um, and I, I have the same concerns that you have in the sense of, let's look at, you know, if you look at just the stipulations on this card, right, we've got, you know, a battle royal, we've got a ladder match, we've got the anarchy in the arena match. All we the have, stars are here, Jesse. All the stipulation stars yeah. are here. There's a four-way match. There's the um, the Chris Jericho- um, Unsanctioned. Adam Cole match, which is essentially another street fight match. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, it has- so like we're, we're, it's loaded up with these stipulations and that and I think wrestling fans in general will say that's too much that's I don't like it that's not I, that's the, the it's watering down all the, stipula the stipulations by having them in every match how many times are we going to see somebody go through a table how many times are we going to see somebody get hit in the back with a, a Singapore cane or whatever yeah uh, why do I why do I feel like when they do all those things, they'll all get over with the crowd and people will be into most of the matches? But uh, I, I, you know, there's there's always a part of me that goes, is this is this a is this a wrestling coverage problem? It's like because I I have that type of thought when it comes to people making a point that there are that AW pay per views are so long, right? And you know when they ask Tony Khan's. Like, why are your pay-per-views so long? And I'm like, this is a wrestling coverage problem. This is a wrestling content creator problem that the shows are too long. Because if you're an AEW fan and you get one pay-per-view every four months, you're like, nah, I'm good to sit down five hours. Not, not a big deal. Let's do it, you know? Um, but if you're covering or you feel like you need to cover everything, right? There's two levels to this. Um, then it becomes an issue. So is this maybe something 
You know, look, I actually voiced it. I said it. it's like there's stipulations all over the place and it irks me. It, but is it a me problem? It could be. You know, after all, I review wrestling uh, based on my own sensibilities. So it's like, sure. And it could be a me problem where I'm like, I don't need all of these bells and whistles. I don't need all of this gimmickry to get me involved in a match. You know, I watch a lot of Puro. I'm, you know, it's so, you know, maybe that's maybe that's the issue as well. You know, the how much is it a, a, a problem that or an issue that we create for ourselves <laughs> you know what i mean yeah i mean I, i'm always i'm really interested in like the logic you're using to say and i and i don't i kind of agree with you like i i'm in the same boat where i'm also like why do we have so many stipulation matches can we have like one or two and then the rest of it could just be you know guys and ga- girls just going out there and wrestling each other in a, in a standard test of grappling skill um and the logic you're using is is totally understandable in that if you you know have stipulations in every single one of the matches it waters everything down but part of me is really fascinated in the fact that we say that and yet i feel like all the matches get over it's the same thing like I know. There's, there's 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 a level like i think some i'm really curious about this some like the hardcore wrestling fans often have these kind of rules of thumb that they have for their own like for the product of what makes a good wrestling show mm-hmm. and oftentimes promotions will violate those rules and it still works and it still gets over sure. um and there's certain things like i'm really fascinated by the table tables spots in general right table spots take place on every show mm-hmm. table spots um, have been taking place on every show for 20 plus years. Sure. Uh, we've seen people go through tables in every conceivable way. We've seen people fall off structures through tables. We've seen every single move done through a table. We've seen every move done, you know, off the apron into a table, off the top rope through into a table. We just, we've seen table spots um, every single conceivable way. And we see it, see them every week. Sure. Yeah. Table spots have never been more over. Anytime it's going to happen on the show, anytime someone starts brawling outside the ring or a little bit of, you know, weaponry gets introduced, the crowd chants, we want tables. To the degree, it's kind of annoying where it's like, all right, guys, like, you know, please enjoy this match and not just demand tables, live audience. Um, they've never been more open. And it really makes me think because the traditional wrestling philosophy would be like, doing table spots too much you're going to kill the table spot if you do it too much and it's you know you've got to really limit it so it stays over and it's like the opposite is true they happen all the time and fans can't get enough of it (laughs) they're demanding more table spots at every at every turn and that really makes me think about like a lot of these rules that we have for ourselves um and whether or not they actually matter and whether or not they actually bear any fruit ultimately that's an excellent point you bring up there and but you're you know ultimately you're right in your in your assessment that you know Warren we could sit here and discuss about the validity of having you know an 11 card an 11 match card with six matches having stipulations on it we could sit around and validate whatever but who cares because ultimately it'll probably get over and I'm like yeah no you're right you're you're absolutely right to a degree you know it's like is it look 
maybe you know maybe this would be very interesting on on the gentleman's wrestling podcast to dive a little deeper into this because I think it you know it, it's it's actually opening up a, a lot of thoughts where it's like it means like well where where does my how how do I orient my criticism versus my my actual you know appreciation for a show if everything I've criticized ultimately I just go well this has been great oh you know to a degree I'm, I've sort of failed myself failed my my audience you know where it's like you know I've been telling you for weeks that the four pillars stuff was terrible but then if I come back and I'm like well the match was great you know <laughs> maybe ultimately I'm just yeah and I and I do think that there's there's room for criticism in the sense of I think everyone can this build has been bad and boring and I don't feel more emotionally attached to these characters if you want to just jump into the the four pillars match breakdown we certainly can because there's all sorts of problems with that um and is the match still going to be good yeah the match will be good but the match might be good in a vacuum mm-hmm. i don't know unless the even if the match is like an amazing match of the year level contender five star easy five star match just an incredible one of the best AEW matches in history um i still don't think that will like overshadow the long-term view that people have had sure. with this feud i don't think that will totally replace um what the general impression people have when they go back and look at remember when they did that four pillars main event for double or nothing like yeah that build wasn't good the match was was damn good but the build was nothing like it was yeah. bad like i don't i don't think the match quality itself will just overshadow the build right. um to it and i think and a big part of it is because it's not like any these these four wrestlers that are involved it's not like they're going to go away after this this match on 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 uh, next week they're going to have to continue on with their careers in AEW and i'm less uh bullish on a lot of them than i was before they started the build for this this yeah, show, for sure. this match and that's yeah that's ultimately the ramification we can probably we'll probably dive a little deeper in this but real quickly you know, since we're talking about the build and all of this, you know, and how how excited are we? You know, one of one of the tangible KPIs that we can take a look at in regards to how a pay per view is doing are our ticket sales, of course. And right now, you know, it's a bit it's part of this story of double or nothing, and one that we're attributing to the build, especially you know, usually you turn to your main event, right? But uh, last that we've heard from uh, at least from WrestleTix. Uh, you know, the arena is set up for what, like 9,800 tickets, I believe, uh, 9,800 seats. And, um, and they haven't, uh, they haven't, uh, we haven't cracked 9,000 sale or tickets distributed, if I'm not, or have we, I think we have. The number, uh, well, the, num- the number I saw, which was in the last number I saw, which was in the observer, um, that I read yesterday, um, was that I believe. The number I saw was, I think, seventy three hundred tickets sold have been distri- tickets distributed. distributed. Wow. The important important word here is distributed because sold. With, some of these tickets are comps for sure. Yeah, um, we don't know how many of them, but we just going by the map. Um, I mean, isn't I mean that that that's nonetheless an indicator of how how well your 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 pay per view is captivating the imagination of of the fans right you know l- you know last last year double or nothing was uh, 14,000 tickets 14,000 people at least 
uh, sitting in that uh, sitting in that arena, um, we're not close to that. We're not even, you know, if if, if the observer number is correct, where it's about uh, half the tickets of last year. That's still significant, nonetheless. Like you know, I know there's there's this idea. Well, all the matches are going to be great, but clearly, you still need something that will captivate the imagination to bring sales in. Yeah, I mean, they're probably going to end up doing right about what Revolution did. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as I think Revolution was right around eight thousand, if I recall correctly, which again is down from. Remember, they they sold this building out very quickly the last two years. And there's a bunch of factors in play. You don't have CM Punk on the show. He was your biggest drawing card. Um, The product in general feels a little cooler than it Mm -hmm. has been, you Mm -hmm. know, in recent years. And attendance is down um, in many markets that they've returned to. And ticket sales are certainly slower um, than they were a couple of years ago. the build hasn't been good. Um, but so many of these tickets, like like they sold out double or nothing last year very quickly, kind of before any matches were really announced or mm-hmm. the build really took place. So that tells me more of like the brand in general was hotter. And people were like, I got to get these tickets quick because they're going to sell out fast. And I know that the show is going to be good because I AEW's hot right now as opposed to people being much more tentative, obviously, when it comes to purchasing tickets. And there hasn't been, like, even if this had a killer build for the show, I don't know how many more tickets they would have sold. Mm. Because I think a lot of people make that decision, especially on a show like this, which has a really large fly-in crowd. Um, I think a lot of people make that decision, you know, you know, further than like a month away of whether they're going to fly from to Las Vegas on Memorial Day weekends. Um, I just think this is more reflective of where they're at as a company when sure. it comes to selling tickets um, than than necessarily the build. Um, and there's a bunch of other factors that go into play. Tickets are more expensive, and and the other things like you know flights and hotels are also more expensive than they have been in recent years. Um, you know, you have double or nothing, or you have Forbidden Door, which is next month, which is in Toronto. I think there's probably some fans that picked between Forbidden Door and Double or Nothing, and they chose Forbidden Door because of how great that show was last year and how special that event feels each year because of its connection with New Japan Pro Wrestling. I think WWE being, you know, hotter than they were last year and people who are maybe traveling fans or maybe they didn't go to the Royal Rumble or maybe they didn't go to WrestleMania or maybe they didn't go to SummerSlam in previous years and instead went to Double or Nothing. And now they're picking between, do I want to fly to Double or Nothing or do I don't want to fly to SummerSlam? Did I want to go to WrestleMania or do I want to go to Double or Nothing? They chose, um, you know, and they chose to go to WWE because WWE's hotter than they were a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think all of those factors... I think are in play when it looks at when we're just looking at attendance. But does does the build hurt? Yeah, it definitely does. Um, yeah. Definitely get more people making that decision, especially locally. Um, in, I think. You know, I, yeah, I, I think I think you get a really hot main event. Because look, because I don't disagree with you on on any of the economics, right? On the the everything more expensive thing, absolutely. And you know what? It's a really good point that you pull up with Forbidden Door too, because the Canadian dollar right now is in the pits. So it's like an American coming up north, you'll be like, "Oh boy, is this how the one percent lives?" Kind of thing, you know. 
Um, so so it, it makes sense even on that level. But I also believe you get a hot main event. You get like two top guys and you, you're it's burning hot. Uh, people will scrounge every penny they have to get to to get to that uh, to get to that show. That's how I that's also how I feel. Yeah, and I think um, I think there's something really noticeable about like Forbidden Door selling out instantly, and Double or Nothing and Revolution not doing nearly as well. Mm -hmm. And I do think that not well, there's, having there, there, there's different factors too. Well, just the fact that it's in Toronto, right, and where they had a first experience yeah. that went really well, and now it's coming here. Like I myself, like I like I live a, a day's drive away from Toronto, but I'm going. Like there's, you know what I mean? Like there was no way. Yeah. The show was coming so close, and I wasn't going to make the. And even just locally, like Toronto is a way better market than Las Vegas. It's much larger, sure, from a, like a metropolitan population standpoint. Mm -hmm. um, and it's also more like your day's drive away. I, I'm not going, but I'm also like a day's drive away or a very short flight. And it's um, also a travel away, and, it, and, it, and it's a travel right. hub as well. Yeah, you do come. If I'm coming from the U.S., you do are coming international, which adds a little bit of wrinkle to it. But sure. Toronto is also one of those markets. It's not that far from New York City. It's mm -hmm. not that far from Chicago. It's not that far from Detroit or Cleveland or Philadelphia or Washington D.C. It's it's an accessible travel point. But I think a big factor is AW is four pay per views. They have five pay per views per year. We'll see what happens with with all in which is a different beast entirely. But mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they have five pay-per-views all year. There's no real difference between any of the four regular pay-per-views. Revolution, Double or Nothing, <clears throat> All Out, and Full Gear. There's nothing distinctive about them except Double or Nothing always happens in Las Vegas and All Out happens in Chicago. That's a, that's a very there's good nothing, point, actually. There's nothing different about them that makes them kind of feel special uh regardless of what matches are going to be on the show or mm -hmm. what programs you have and how hot things are forbidden door is a show that is special it's a once a year you're going to have this new japan versus AEW crossover show and they've only had one show before and it was incredibly well received and it feels special and it feels like a show that you have to go to what's the difference between double and nothing or revolution or full gear all they're all kind of Not there's really. nothing yeah. outstanding like wwe's done a great job with wrestlemania and the royal rumble and to a lesser extent money in the bank because those shows feel special because one is wrestlemania is wrestlemania it's got the nostalgia and the history behind it and it's always been promoted as the biggest show of the year without any uh, other show in wwe's calendar being able to compare to it Except that one year where they had that Saudi show, which was at least as big as WrestleMania. What was the, I can't remember the verbiage that they used, but it was hilarious. At, but at, yeah. At least comparable the, to, anyway. Right. In the Royal Rumble and to a lesser extent, Money in the Bank have these matches that are always on um, the shows that are well received that you can kind of just sell without really, doesn't matter who's going to be in the matches or anything like that. People are going to want to go to them and see them. And AW, because. They've all been like, none of our pay-per-views are going to be better or worse than the others. They're all equal. They're all going to be as good as possible. And on as far from a uh, like a quality standpoint, that's pretty much true. Mm -hmm. But I think it does help from a marketing perspective to be like, this is why this show is special. This is why you're only going to get this show once per year. And I do think that plays a factor when you want to compare like a show like Forbidden Door 
Um, and certainly the Wembley Stadium tickets, because that's a show that, again, feels special that you have to go to if you want to go to this special show. I suppose a double or nothing. Is that really any difference between that or Revolution or All Out or um, Full Gear? And if you're a traveling fan, you're like, am I going to fly four times a year to these different cities to go to these shows that are largely the same? Maybe I'll skip one. Maybe I'll skip two. Um, I think all those are factors as well. All right. Well, we've talked a lot about the, the setup. Let's go right into the show then. So what we'll do is we'll go down match per match, give our thoughts on it, you know, so on general talk. And most importantly, Jesse, give our pinpoint specific predictions, which I will hang over your head uh, right up until double or nothing next week. So get ready. Gotta be right. I'm gonna get. I can't have. Gonna put a little record next to my name next time I'm on the show. Just yeah. what I got. Record. Yeah. yeah next time, yes. Or, or, or yeah. I'm. Or I might mail you a, a medal or something. You know, second oh, place. That would be That's second nice. place. <laughs> it's already ready. It's got your name engraved in it. So whatever, whatever happens. Okay. happens. <laughs> um. Uh, let's go uh, from the bottom up here as they're. Uh, set up here on the Wikipedia page. Um, let's just go right ahead, starting off with the unsanctioned match where Adam Cole is going to be taking on Chris Jericho. This was made on Rampage uh, last night as we're recording this on the uh, uh, on the uh, uh, May, what was it, the May uh, 19 edition of Rampage. Um, so the Jericho Vortex continues, Jesse, Adam Cole getting sucked into this. He will never recover. He's doomed, Jesse. Doomed. He'll never recover from his feud with Chris Jericho moving forward. Career's in the mud. What are we going to do? Another another career cut short, unfortunately. <laughs> um, over, overall, overall, like I've enjoyed this, but I feel we haven't hit a second gear with this. With the, like, If we're talking about the build, right? I feel like the build is... I've enjoyed it. I enjoyed how they started it off. It was a very slow burn, you know, with the side eyes and all of that. And I really enjoyed that one, the one promo where they met face to face and Adam Cole started off saying, you know what, you know, I respect you. You know, I grew up watching you. You know, you're someone I emulated, blah, blah, blah. And Jericho's like, look, I'm not having any of this. You know, like not even Jericho was so adamant to not like the guy. It was like, usually where you'd butter him up and Jericho would be like, well, thank you. Thank you very much. He was like, no, 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 we're not doing this. I don't like you, <laughs> you know? And um, like, it hasn't been bad. Trust Like, I don't feel like it, the build has been bad to this match. Au contraire, I've enjoyed it, but I f knowing these two guys, I feel like, and the way Tony perceives Adam Cole as well, because if, if anyone still has any doubts as to whether or not Tony Khan believes Adam Cole is a is a world champion for his company, a top, tippy-top guy. Uh, his return from injury should have squashed all of those concerns. Um, so especially seeing how Tony Khan seems to perceive anyway, Adam Cole. Uh, I feel like, you know, we're we're missing a, a shove, maybe. I don't know. How did you feel about the, the bill? I'm probably higher on this bill than most people in kind of what I would push back on if people are like, this is only a one match show that's only had one build. I've liked every single aspect of this build except for one obvious thing, which um, 
like I liked the very the very the, how how did this feud start right Adam Cole came back and he made his return match against Daniel Garcia and Cole beat Daniel Garcia in like kind of the main event of this you know nicely contested match and Cole celebrating the ring and Jericho comes out and he just kind of escorts Daniel Garcia to the back and he like it's like he said side eyeing Adam Cole and I like this kind of subdued aspect where we know that Chris Jericho is going to be feuding with Adam Cole based on this interaction. Right. But it wasn't like Jericho got in the ring and, 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 you know, hit Adam Cole with a baseball bat and like the entire Jericho association's appreciation society just beat up Adam Cole. It was not the standard, like, okay, then the, the real top heel comes out and beats up the baby face after he won. It was very much more of a subdued kind of Jericho teasing this feud. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, he, you know, he cut a promo, which I thought was, you know, Again, more subdued and very, like, um, you know, un- he showed poor self-awareness in a good way as a heel where he basically says, like, Cole, you know, he beat D- Danny Garcia, which is fine. But then he was hogging up the spotlight, celebrating so much. And I didn't like that, like, as, as if Chris Jericho would never do those things. No, exactly. Um, so I like that. And then and then we got to the part that I didn't like, which was – the the beatdown of Adam Cole where he had was handcuffed and they uh you know brought out the um you know Soraya to, to beat up uh Breaker in front of Adam Cole and it was very melodramatic and you know Brick Breaker's calling Adam Cole by his shoot name and it was it was very much like Shawn Michaels NXT. Mm-hmm. Uh, very much kind of what Adam Cole had been doing in NXT that I think turned some people off of him. And it didn't hit the right way. Um, but that was the only segment that I really didn't like. I liked when Jericho came back out and, you know, he's like, you know, criticized Adam Cole for not, you know, not helping his, his, his fiance or his girlfriend and how, what a despicable man he was for watch, just watching her get beat. You know, I liked that. And then I really liked the, the tackle. Match. Did you like the, yeah. t- the tackle was awesome. Because and here's why. Because as a wrestling fan, I can't stand dumb baby faces, mm-hmm. idiot baby faces, who have been very badly wronged by heels. But because they're just the world's dumbest people, they don't can't somehow get their hands on the heel until the pay per view. Right. And so they do this thing where you know Adam Cole is in a multi man match against the Jericho Appreciation Society. Jericho's off the top of the ramp doing commentary. Cole beats uh, Jericho Appreciation Society. And then as soon as the match ends, he runs straight up the ramp and he tackles Adam Cole. He doesn't wait a single second for Jericho to run away or for his boons to get involved. He's like, all right, I did my business. I beat this match. Now I'm going to do what I really set out to do, which is beat this guy's ass for what he did to, you know, Britt Baker and what he did to me. And the urgency of it was great they you know the camera work was great jericho is he's so vain he's looking at himself in the camera as he's making a point and he doesn't even see adam cole running up the ramp against him <laughs> and, and it just it i i love the urgency in it and, and sure. even though i didn't like the the melodramatic beatdown segment i enjoyed that it was presented as this major thing and it had real ramifications for how these characters are going to interact with one another. And oftentimes in AEW, they'll do like a beatdown segment and then it kind of just means nothing. Next week, they're just feuding some more 
It was mm -hmm. it didn't link it doesn't linger at all. This was very melodramatic to a degree. It kind of took me out of it, but I do like that they treated it like it was this really big deal, and that these two men, Chris Jericho and Adam Cole, their relationship is entirely shaped by that segment and that beatdown, and it's all leading up to this big match. And I liked on Wednesday when Adam Cole outsmarted Chris Jericho, and you know they did the another nope. another smart baby face move and 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 on top of that you know because i even saw some criticisms some criticisms like well why would the baby face get one up on the on the heel so close but it it's adam cole at the same time and this is like heel or baby face this is the kind of thing you at this point expect adam cole to do to come up with a scheme you know to to get one up it sure would probably work better if You'd probably see it in a, in a different lens. Let's put it that way. If Adam Cole was the heel, you'd be like, "Oh, Adam Cole did it again. Got his buddies to 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 throw some smoke screens so he could do what he needed to do." You know, but it like in the lore, pardon the term, the lore of Adam Cole. This made it just to me. It made perfect sense and uh, and also positioned him as a strong, smart babyface in the meantime. Yeah, and I think traditional in pro wrestling, right? They tell you. Um, you know, the heel gets the one up on the baby face and mm -hmm. the, 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 like I said, the, the heat, the part of the building towards the pay-per-view is that you're finally going to get a chance to see the baby face, get his hands on the heel. Um, keep them apart. It, right. Keep them apart. Have the heel outsmart the baby face in the weeks building up. So you want yeah. fans to finally see the heel get his comeuppance. Um, but I, I think that logic makes it harder for baby faces to get over because it's hard to get support for baby faces who are dumb and as as a wrestling fan you're like i like the heel because they're smart uh, and they're intuitive and they are using everything that they have to gain a competitive advantage and those are the people that are often going to be more interesting to fans that sure. are watching and i like that they booked adam cole is that he's not stupid um and like you said if we're gonna it's not like Adam Cole turned babyface and now he's really stupid. Like, and that happens sometimes, which is mm -hmm. a smart conniving heel. Uh, he, a, a wrestler can be a smart conniving person when they're a heel because that's what being a heel calls for. And then suddenly they lose 50 IQ points and are an idiot babyface when they suddenly become a good guy because that's what that role calls for. <laughs> and I don't think pro wrestling should be presented like that. One of the reasons I was really liked, I know some people were down on Hangman Page's AEW World Title Run. But I really liked it largely because Hangman Page was presented as a smart person that, you know, the heels would come out and they'd act like, ah, we got you now, Hangman. And like Hangman's be like, I'm smarter than you. I'm going to, you know, run out and I'm going to, you know, beat you up or I'm going to have friends that are watching my back. And I'm going to do this thing where people are the baby faces outsmart the heels and people like that. You know, Steve Austin outsmarted Vince McMahon pretty much every time. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't like yeah. sometimes there was heat at him, but most of the time it was Vince thinking he's got Steve, Steve Austin right where he wants him. And then Austin outsmarts him and people love that. And it helped get Steve, Steve Austin's like the greatest baby face in wrestling history because of it. Um, at some point we lost that and it became this thing where heels got to be smart and get all the heat and then the baby faces are idiots. Um, and that's how the story has got to be told. Um, and that's one of the reasons I really like this build for the show. And I think, um, I think they're going to have a really good match. Oh, I'm, I'm really, honestly, I'm super looking forward to it because these are two great in-ring storytellers. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, yeah, that's what I'm really most looking forward to. Um, 
you know, and, and, and being able to just like do whatever they want, like do go completely no DQ on this, whatever, like the, the sky, the, the, the sky's the limit on this one. Chris Jericho is super creative. Adam Cole is super creative. Like this, it, it, it's a win. This match, this match is absolutely a win. So when, so when you threw out, well, you know, it's a two match show now, you know, as opposed to my one match show. I'm a little more pumped. This is probably my my the the match I'm most looking forward to outside of the the uh, the anarchy in the arena match. But because the because the uh, the elements are there, it's going to be too good to be not good. <laughs> that's some anal- That's that's the quality kind of analysis you get here. It's going to be too good to be not good. Who who do you think is going to win this match? You know, conventional wisdom would say Adam Cole. Right, because uh, because of his big return, like I said, you know, I think Tony has big plans for him, and I think it's important to, you know, I think he pro, you know, he should be heated up appropriately. But seeing how things have been happening over the past few weeks, um, how things, I would not be surprised if Jericho gets a win here with his boys or not. Look. Adam Cole has boys now. Like he has, you know, he's got Roderick Strong to watch his back as well. You know, he's not completely devoid of uh, of any help. Maybe even a Kylo Riley popping up as a nice little extra surprise. Like I would not. I'll tell you what. If this match starts the pay per view, Adam Cole is winning. That's that's my official prediction. If 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 this is the opening match, Adam Cole goes over, and I think it makes sense. But I think it also makes sense for Chris Jericho to win. And squeeze a little more juice out of it, and I think that's a good potential. Yeah, I think that's a good point because I do think Adam Cole is going to be protected, and I think that Adam Cole they have big plans for him, and I could see all outs main event being Adam Cole versus MJF for the world title. Mm-hmm. I think Adam Cole is going to be elevated into a top top babyface position in AEW, um, and I, but on the flip side, I think Chris Jericho kind of needs to win a match. <laughs> he's ever since he formed the Jericho Appreciation Society, he's lost a lot. Yeah, and yes. it's okay. It's okay because it's Chris Jericho, and he's always going to be established. But at some point, he needs to to win like a big, big match, and he doesn't necessarily need to win this feud with Adam Cole. But beating him on pay per view um, makes sense. The, um, the heels have to win once in a while, Jesse. That's uh, that because they need the heat. Right, and there's this idea that, of course, Chris Jericho and the Chris Jericho Vortex and hurts everyone that he's around. And, of course, if he were to win, people would get oh. mad, things like that. But he, the guy doesn't win enough. No, like, he, he really doesn't. He really, really doesn't. And you know, um, here's a plug. If you're, you know, uh, you know, I had Joel Lanza on a couple of weeks ago and we talked about the Jericho Vortex. We broke down everyone he uh, he's feuded with uh, just to make sure who's really been buried. Spoiler alert. No one, <laughs> only maybe two people came out. Not as great, and it's not necessarily Jericho's fault. Anyway, right. Um, but that being said, if I were to, you were like, ask me to bet my life on which yes. who is going to win this match, I'd actually say Adam Cole. Yeah, I think so too. I... Jericho makes sense under the if they're going to continue this feud. But if this is the blow off and Jericho is going to move on to something else, Chris Jericho is going to feud with CM Punk on Collision. Um, I think Adam Cole needs to win. He needs Adam Cole needs to win this engagement in the end. If this is the last match, then he's definitely going to win. 
All right, so we're I think we're both in agreement. I think the the safe bet is Adam Cole, and again, if this match opens the pay per view, Adam Cole's winning. There's no doubt about it. Since we since you just mentioned uh, putting Adam Cole uh, on collisions, so on and so forth. Um, the uh, the first collision. What's your prediction? Chicago or Daly's place? God, who knows? <laughs> I would say Daly. I would say Daly's place because right now it seems like it's going to be a Daly's place. It does. Which would uh, that's going to be a tough pill to swallow. He wants to do the United Center, and now you're emergency running a show at Jacksonville. I don't I have no idea how it's going to draw. It's going um, to be a disaster. Anyway. Yeah. Let's move on. <laughs> the firm. They're apparently they're not completely deleted. Jesse, made up of Adam Page and and the guns who are Ethan uh, Page. What did I say? Adam Page, right? I yes. always do that. Thank you. That's why you're like you got to listen to Vince. You can't have people with the same names on That's, the show. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Ethan Page and the guns will be taking on the Hardy Party. Made up of the Hardy Boys, Jeff and Matt, and Isaiah Cassidy in a trios match. And the stipulation here, Jesse, is if the Hardy Party wins, Matt will own Ethan Page's contract. Listen, I know <laughs> I know contracts and legalese are very a la mode right now in AEW. Um, but uh, man, I am I there is nothing I hate more in pro wrestling than paperwork. Uh, I could not care less about the stipulation. Just have the match happen. I think there's enough there's enough meat on this lower card bone here to just get people interested outside of the added necessities of oh who owns who whose contract shouldn't 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 uh, Megan the, you know get involved in this is like, hey we own these contracts right now now I'm just being stupid but you know what I mean. I feel like Matt Hardy's been in some sort of feud that involves contracts and servitude um, for over a year. And I'm not joking. Like, he has you're been, right. hasn't he? It's like, the word, you're right. I'm just having that realization with Andrade and all this shit. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's been going on forever. And no one I, – I, I, some people care. This I have no – I think Matt Hardy's been like a total bomb in AEW. I do too. I think – He's gone through like seven different gimmicks. He's heel. He's babyface. He's been. He was starting this broken mat. Then he wasn't. Then he was again. Jeff's been in it, literally in and out of the company. In fairness, um, I'm kind of okay that they that they dropped the the the, the broken mat stuff. In in fairness, oh yeah, some of it had to be done, but it's just he's been. You know, he had he was stealing from private party, and now he's like, now he likes he's he's like an older brother for private party, or at least. Um, Isaiah Cassidy, Brother Zay, because mm-hmm. um, Mark Quinn has been injured. Uh, and it just seems like he's been in this vortex of changing characters, but also in this feud where he's been in contracts and servitude and all that. Um, this will be a nice match on the pre-show, hopefully. Um, <laughs> Maybe we should maybe we should start talking about the Matt Hardy vortex and whoever gets caught up in that ends up in it is you know, it's true. Look issues. at all these people. <laughs> Look at all these people that have been in it for for a while, and um, you know the Guns were tag team champions, um, like kind of as a gimmick, not be as being undeserved. Yeah, with shtick. Yeah. Um, 
and now they're you know they're they've definitely tumbled back down the card which i think most people would say is probably where they belong um i think they're pretty good for what they are trying to be that makes sense as far as just like shitty heels that you're not supposed to respect um but yeah the, and, and ethan page is another guy who's kind of been he's been aligned with like five different people and it's this is a match with people that have struggled to gain a creative direction in AEW, and i think a lot of it comes from trying things that haven't gotten over right i agree um if you if who do you pick who's winning this one Let's see <laughs> i will say i will pick the baby faces isaiah cassidy and the hardys i agree I agree. I think you want Jeff Hardy to score the pinfall here, in fact. And I think you want... There's no trios match announced for this, sh- this show yet. Not yet, no. I think I know what it's going to be. Um, but I think you want to get... If the the, the um, House of Black is going to have the trios titles, you want to get maybe some trio wins for some babyface teams. Sure. And this could be one. We're, we're expecting, since we're on the subject, we're expecting... House of Black versus uh, the acclaimed and Billy Gunn, right? That's what we're. It makes to. sense. That's what I think too, because um, just if only because we don't have the trios match, which you're probably going to have, um, and the acclaimed really are like extremely over. You kind of have to have them on the pay per view at this point. Um, I've talked about it so many times on my show on how the acclaimed gimmick is not for me. Like, like I don't care for it. I'm a big Anthony Bowens guy, but outside of that, I don't like. I got nothing. But I cannot but not appreciate and respect the amount of work that these two singles guys, right? That Tony Khan threw together into t- it's like, okay, guys, be a team. Decided to work at it and got themselves over be- doing, doing, you know, doing shtick doing, you know, with the with the promo thing, and then elevating themselves, just getting themselves completely organically over. And Tony Khan going, okay, let's run with it. Let's see what happens. And they've been chomping at the bit ever since. So I I appreciate and respect that. And to the point where I'm looking at the cut, I'm like, why isn't the acclaim? Why hasn't the acclaim been announced yet? You know, because even though it's not for me, goddamn, that act works. Yeah, and they're kind of doing the thing where they're on Rampage every week as kind of like an anchor for Rampage, which unfortunately means a lot of people aren't seeing them every week. Mm-hmm. But still, you know, because Rampage. Is- but, but, but I, I actually, Khan, but but if you're turning, but if you're Tony Khan and your you know your second show is struggling and you want to show you want to th- put on people that people want to see every week, they want to do the scissor thing, they want to. Oh, there you go. That I caught sense. their match. I caught their match that was last night on Rampage. Um, you know they beat the the varsity uh, the varsity athletes, athletes. Yep. and um, like you know they come there still super over they come out max caster does his rap and then they do the scissor me daddy ass and everyone in the arena is on their feet and tons of people have the the you know the scissor hands and guy people making their homemade signs yep. and just they're really over i mean i think they've been the top merch sellers in aw for months now sure like, um so they have to get on this card somehow and it's probably going to be in trios action with Thank billy gunn you. whose career is absolutely fascinating absolutely fascinating billy gun career who was i listening to no it wasn't it, it was in the slack right where someone was saying is this is this the best run of billy, of billy gun's career right they said that on commentary last night during rampage um i think jr said that like this is the best billy gun has ever been um it it, it he i mean he's 
I described him as having the closest body to superstar Billy Graham. That we ah, that was you. Okay, okay, that's okay. That's what I. That, that, all right, all right, all right, all right. That that's what I was thinking of. Um, yeah, I mean, he as far as being over goes, it's close to to New Age Outlaws prime here, right? Yeah, I mean, he's definitely more famous as part of the New Age Outlaws, uh, but you could argue that Road Dog and his kind of intro was really what was over about that tag team. Sure. Oh, uh, oh, oh, yes. And I, that's very easy and, to argue, actually. <laughs> and Billy Gunn, yeah, and, Bill, and Billy Gunn was kind of like the other guy who was a good worker that yeah. could, you know, carry some of the matches. But it was really like, you know, Road Dog was kind of the culture setter there. And this, and obviously in the acclaimed, you know, Max Caster is doing the rapping and he's over. But the scissor me daddy ass thing with, thing. you know, with Bowens, him and Bowens are, is really over it. I, I just, I like, I don't know. This is like this might be like a, like kind of like a, a fake like headcanon meta narrative that I've created for myself, um, but I just like the idea of Billy Gunn like seeing these two guys that are kind of like the way him and Road Dog were twenty years ago, where they're a tag team and they just they get a gimmick over, and Billy Gunn's like, guys, listen to me. This is how you guys are gonna ride this thing for for the rest of your careers. Yes, he's attached himself to it, but I like the idea of him being like there to. It gives me a sense of like real, actual mentorship, which maybe yeah. did, isn't. It didn't actually happen, um, but it but makes it me feel better impression. when I think about it. Yeah, that he's yeah. like, guys. Let me tell you, this is how we're gonna. You guys are never are, are gonna be able, even if twenty years from now, AEW could be dead, where so you could still do this, you know, on signings and stuff like that. You just, <laughs> this is how we do it, and like just kind of guiding them towards that where you're going to have merch money forever. Um, and, and, they, and they'll, and then when you start doing WrestleCade, like in two, 2063, you'll still be able to sell the scissors and the scissor me stuff. Exactly. Yeah. And you can exactly. still scissor with fan. You'll be able to scissor yeah. with fans until forever. you're in a, even if you're in a wheelchair and you're 80. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Jade Cargill is going to be defending the TBS championship against Taya Valkyrie. They were, uh, we 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 got dangerously close to sixty and zero last night on dynamite. Jesse, are you pumped? Did you, did that get did that get the juices flowing? Jeez, we were so close to sixty and zero, Jesse. No, um, I said dynamite say, rampage. Sorry. Yeah, I'll say I'll say this. So I was like not a fan of the Taya signing. Just in, I was like, I don't know what she's gonna do on this roster. I don't think she's that good of a wrestler. Um, mm. And I just I think you have younger prospects that that you already have signed that need more TV time and in the work. Sure. And I just don't know what Taya brings to the table. That being said, I do think that they have made this match with Jade feel more important than pretty much any other Jade match that she's had. Mm-hmm. Um, really, uh, since she debuted, the, the one of the issues I think with Jade is that. She's in her own universe where she doesn't wrestle any of the top women in AEW. So she has this, and it's weird because she has this title that apparently nobody, none of the top women actually want. Don't want, They're, exactly. And it's a way to protect Jade because you don't want her to to, to 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 be put with some of these people. And But it's weird. That, so Jade's had this undefeated streak, but she's mostly just wrestled, you know, lower card people in AEW. I don't think she's wrestled Britt Baker. Jamie nope. Hader, nope. Tony Storm. Nope. Um, her her uh, the, the the top the, the the highest level of competition she's had was Athena. Yep, she wrestled Athena. I think she wrestled like Nyla Rose on a pay per view too. Oh, and Nyla, that's right. Yo, yeah, those so would be a the former two. Right. Yes. champion. Apologies, but it's Nyla. people kind. 
but it's people kind of that are, that are not in that top tier of, of the women's division. Um, no, yeah. I, I don't think she ever wrestled Thunder Rosa. I don't mm-hmm. think she's wrestled Takara Shida or Riho. No, um, neither. Like, so there's all these women that they could have paired her with. They don't. She tends to wrestle like Layla Gray. Um, Anna Jay, Ty. Yeah, Sky Blue. Like, all of these people that just Red are, are, yeah, at a different level. And mm-hmm. it's led to just no one really believes that our match she's going to lose to these people. It seems like they're just killing time for she wrestles someone that people actually might see as a similar kind of star. Um, but I do think Ty has kind of gone a little bit close. I do not think Ty Valkyrie is going to beat Jade. Really? I don't. Okay. I'm so shocked. you think Ty, you think Ty is going to win? Listen, I, I am, I am sick of the Jade universe. I'm sick of the title being, uh, being around like the, t- sick in the sense that it's dull okay and as we like to say oftentimes you know bad is all right boring is is the worst right and I think everything about the TBS title right now is dull and I don't I don't want to hang my hat on Jade Cargill's uh, Jade Cargill being green so on and so forth this is it's mostly a booking decision because I'm starting to I see two things happening right now in professional wrestling that hurt my perception of the TBS title. The first one being very at home, being Orange Cassidy in the international title, where commentary is talking about how he's on a winning streak, he's defended the title 20 plus times now, and they keep putting that over week after week. And I feel legitimately everyone's excited about it. I get excited when I see Orange Cassidy these days. I'm like, there's the workhorse, there's our guy. There's the guy who'll come out who is over and will deliver a good to great match you know, depending on the week, depending on the opponent, systematically. And people are excited about, oh, he won again. It's like, fantastic. Orange is our guy, right? Whereas you compound this with the 59-0 and 0 streak and everyone's like, everyone shrugs. Everyone's like, who cares? I don't care. Meanwhile, there's a guy who's building another streak and they're talking about it and it feels real. It feels legitimate. It feels exciting, right? So that's one thing. And then the other thing is that in the meantime, you know, you have... You have her, who is indeed, um, uh, you know, who, as you mentioned, is squashing all of her opposition, who doesn't seem to be getting any any offense, and she's working with these these under people, right? These under these these people who do need more seasoning, and Jade is one of these people who needs more seasoning. And despite that, we're we we're getting Jade Cargill wrestling people who are not the top tier. And we've heard this multiple times from multiple wrestlers. I've spoken with wrestlers. They all tell me the same thing. The more you work with talented, uh, well-traveled, well-seasoned wrestlers, the better you will get. So, of course, if Jade is only having matches with, and again, no disrespect, with Red Velvet versus a Tony Storm, right? Again, no disrespect, but there is a, there's a gap between those two. Uh, if she keeps wrestling these people, she'll, she'll never reach that other level at the same time and it's it's all very weird to me and it's stuff that makes me push back on 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 jade and the streak at this point where i'm like we need to we need to just stop this at this point i agree it's getting close to when she loses that she needs to lose i just i don't see taya as the person that they want to have beat her 
really feels like so I really mean, the question feels is like who 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 then okay. like cause right and, and, and for a while so it was this, supposed to be so, chris statlander and everyone's still holding out hope for chris statlander why well, that's what i think i think tony this is tony khan right so i think the original plan was chris statlander is going to feud with her and chris statlander is going to beat her for the tps title chris statlander got hurt she's been out for close to a year now i think mm-hmm. should be coming back pretty soon maybe she's maybe she's coming back on this pay-per-view um and then, oh, okay, then we get to it. And that's that kind of explains why Jade has been killing time for such a long period of time because they're saving the Statline feud, which I don't I don't think that's a good idea. I think I it's hurt know. Jade. I think it's hurt the title um, as for all the reasons you mentioned. Um, it would have been fine but, for Jade to drop the title. And Matt, look, I would have booked this and tie in, tie in Canada, her surprise arrival. I would have had her to run in and beat, and beat her for the title. And Jade has all then the, the the shit heel explanations she needs. I wasn't prepared. I was supposed to fight someone else. Blah blah. Like whatever. She'd have, you know, the wall of excuses, and then t- she can win it back. It's actually it would actually be more interesting than the freaking streak that means nothing. Yeah, and it means nothing because she hasn't beaten anyone that anyone exactly. cares about for the most part. I, the way I see this match going, I I I. I I liked their first match for what it was. I didn't think it was that bad. Um, the Taya versus um, Jade Cargill match, sure. and they did this. They did the stipulation where Taya couldn't use her finishing move, and it kind of they played into kind of a costing her that she didn't have that in her pocket. The stipulation for this match doesn't exist, so I do think we're gonna get like a really convincing near fall where she's gonna hit, you know, uh, her finisher move, and, and I, I do think Jade's gonna kick out just because I think they're saving Jade's loss to someone else, but. I, it, there is it, it is time for something else to happen for Jade mm-hmm. Cargill, um, and you can't just be a winning streak. No, nope. okay? and I'm not. Yeah, no, nope, we, we, we don't need. <laughs> we don't need. You know, we don't need. We don't need Scott Hall, the ghost of Scott Hall, to run in and and, and hit her with a uh, a cattle prod. We don't need that to happen. Um, with but, the extra sound, with the electrical extra sound effects <laughs> coming through. <laughs> but. Um, God, I love pro wrestling. Um, there has to be, there has to be something else needs to happen with her. Yes. I think for her to regain some momentum that she's lost, she's exist. Like I said she's existed in this pocket universe. Um, and you're right, like you know, the, she hasn't had a big match. Or, like this is probably, but I agree, this is probably the match that feels biggest for her since the Shaq match. Really, you know, it's like I still go back to the Shaq match, the the, the tag team match. As you know, the match where she felt the most important, right? that felt the yeah. th- that felt biggest, and no one else has had, had to, right? No one else has held this TBS championship, no, um, before. Um, so it's and since she's only defended it for the most part against the lower card people, and none of the top stars seem to want it, it's like kind of feels like the FTW belt. Mm. Like it's mm-hmm. like not like a real title belt. It's a yeah. it's a vanity piece to help a wrestler complete complete a wrestler's look. Basically, it's not a uh, title major title belt. Are um, you telling me Taz yeah. would have come up with a title to just complete his look, just to make him look like a badass? Really? What? That's and that's what the TPS title is. It's something for Jade to hold and Jade to appear on. On you know, if she's ever going to appears on media and things like that. Oh, she's a champion. She's got this, but she doesn't actually have the championship that everyone else is vying for. She has this weird consolation title. So you you think Jade is going to retain? Yeah. 
I'm holding out hope that Taya that Taya gets it. Honestly, frankly, uh, I'm I I am ready to move on, Chris Statlander or not. But you make a lot of sense because yes, this is Tony Khan, and you know this was the plan. But you know, I'm re- I am so ready for this to move on. Um, next, well, we're gonna talk about it right now. Blackpool Combat Club versus the Elite in Anarchy in the Arena. Anarchy in the Arena was one of my top five favorite matches last year. It was everything I love about pro wrestling. No, not top five. It was in my top ten. Sorry. It's everything I love about pro wrestling. Don't get carried. Like, don't get carried away. No, no, no. I gotta pump the brakes. Um, but I did love it. I love the I love the chaos. And if this becomes you know, you know, AEW has tried to reclaim a lot of stipulations or, you know, like, you know, the strap match, for instance, right? Which I think they've done a fantastic job at reviving it and giving it the feel that it's like it feel when they pull out strap match in AEW, you sort of go, huh, you know, like back in the day when they pull out back in the 90s, when they pull out ladder match, you'd go, huh, you know, it's kind of the same thing. Um they they've done it with uh, they've done it with that um, you know they, to I'd even say they brought the cage match back you know yeah they make the cage match feel important and but you know bringing back these old school the, the these these existing stipulations anarchy in the arena since last year right because of its rousing success feels like it's AEW's first like homegrown. Uh, 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 stipulation, right? Where it's like, oh, now this this belongs to AEW. This the level of and and and, obvi- and ultimately, it's just like it's a no DQ, false count anywhere kind of nonsense, right? Like ultimately, it's just a fancy name for a very basic stip. But the fact that they've created something ab- around it makes it feel special. You said anarchy in the arena, that's cool. If they had said false count anywhere, no DQ, you would have been like, oh, you know what I mean, like. The fact that we have the branding of Anarchy in the Arena feels off of what happened last year. I'm naturally excited because the match last year was so great and it feels like it belongs to them. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think totally like doing this, like they did the Stadium Stampede matches, which um, people are mixed on, but they kind of existed in a time and place, which is when they were in the least place. Um, it didn't have fans, at least for the first one. Second one, they actually did have fans, but yeah. um, they and that kind of became a traditional thing. But it, you know, you really don't want to do that. Um, you don't really want to do that in a in an arena full of people, right? No. So let's do a little spin on it. Let's do Anarchy in the Arena, which you can do, which they did last year, and we talked about like. You know, WWE has the Royal Rumble, Money in the Bank, and those kind of help sell an idea pay-per-view. It's possible that Anarchy in the Arena as a traditional match on Double or Nothing, people are going to get really excited for. Sure. Um, The first one delivered, you know, super well. This one, uh, I don't know, do they still allow you to gamble on what Dave Meltzer's star rating is going to be, like an over-under? Do you remember those? I don't Dave I hasn't do. talked about them in a little while. But it would be like the over-under for this match's star rating from Dave is like, you know, four and a half. Look, I would imagine that this one is up there as far as what the the, the floor is for this match. It's very there's a lot of Dave's favorite wrestlers in this match, right? Uh, I, I yeah. you know, uh, I, I think I think over-under 4.5 is fair. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Especially if they get um 
And but but it's, it, it's it, got so yeah. much this match. And one of the reasons I think that people are down on the rest of this card outside of this match is a lot of the star power is in this match. Sure. The people that the fans like the most. The Young Bucks, Hangman Page, Kenny Omega, John Moxley, Brian Danielson. Like, match, you could argue that this feud is... You, 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 this is not a story on the match. And all of those names are dispersed elsewhere in the card in other feuds. Maybe some of them are wrestling each other. Maybe them, some of them are wrestling other people. A lot of people would probably say the pay-per-view card would be much better off if that was the case. Maybe. With that being said, there's so much star power energy in this match. And there's the story that they've been telling with the elite getting back together. You know, Don Callis turning on Kenny Omega. I wouldn't surprise me if this becomes a five on five match, because mm. um, the last anarchy in the arena, I believe, was five on five. Right. So, and there's really no reason why you could you could do it four on four. You could do five on five. You could do six on six. You could do like ten on ten if you really wanted to. This no, I don't think there's a hard limit on how many people can be in this match. But, but yeah, it wouldn't surprise. It was right? a five you on still... five, and and Don's been Don's been grooming our. Our poor, our poor Kaneske in the meantime, right? He's been right. grooming him into the, into the, so yeah, you know, there's a lot of stuff that can happen for real. Yeah. So, but there's a lot of going into this. So I think, yeah, this is going to be, this is the real main event for, I think a lot of people. Yeah. Well, it is, it is for me. And I mean, look, I, 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 you know, I contend that the Blackpool Combat Club has been systematically the best thing in AEW since Danielson and Mox started feuding with each other in January last year. It feels so long ago. Um, but it's been systematically the best thing in the company. It's been delivering and over-delivering up and down. And everything... They've been, that, go ahead. Is it weird that they're still called the Black Bull Combat Club? No. No. It, the Regal thing kind of bothers me. Like Regal gets elevated into this really prominent position within the company where he's on TV all the time. He's cutting promos. He's on commentary. He's he's created this stable that's revolved around like his ideology with he's got the top stars with him. Then he just leaves. Um and they kind of keep uh they write him off TV kind of hastily. Um and then they just kind of keep him like uh keep his aesthetic, I guess. Um, it doesn't really it doesn't really bother me like like really any significant amount yeah. but the whole thing comes across, it was was kind of really weird and I see what you mean I, I, it's still like his presence is is still kind of like this weird like significant factor in AEW even though he basically jumped at the first opportunity for him to not work with <laughs> to go back to, to go work. back to WWE yeah to go back to WWE but um I don't hate it because yeah because the the other guys would have erased them from history, and I think that would be worse. Yeah, you know, if you, it's suddenly no longer the Blackpool Combat Club, it's now the Cincinnati Burroughs Combat Club. You know, it's like the Aberdeen, Aberdeer, Aberdeen, Washington. Yeah, Combat the, Club. The, the yeah, exactly the Aberdeen Aces or whatever. It's like then, yeah. oh come on, and now it's, this is just erasure. And you know, as as Joe often points out on, on 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 the flagship, you know the the lore of AEW is the lore of wrestling. So, yeah. I mean, it, it will always be a nod to uh, to William Regal on that front. Um, outside of being excited and excited and thinking this this build has been very very good, do you have any other notes, or should we just go to our predictions for this one? 
No, and, and I have no idea who's going to win this match. Me either. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say the Elite because they're the team that just kind of got back together. And I think that there's it's worth trying to show some continuity with, like, they got back together and now they're this unstoppable force and they beat Blackpool Combat Club. But this is maybe not the blow-off for their match. You know, Blood and Guts, we don't, they haven't announced Blood and Guts or anything like that, but Blood and Guts tends to happen around this time of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got to be looking at the AW roster and what feuds are going on and what makes sense for Blood and Guts match, and it would seem to be this one. Um. So I'd be, I, I think maybe the you know BCC could win and then the elite get their win back in blood and guts, or you could do it vice versa. Um, but I, I would really, I have no, I don't even know who like the betting favorite would be because I think there's explanations for both of these teams. Yeah, I yeah I, I think the uh, I think the you know there, there there's there's something very satisfying in saying look the elite are all back together and they should get the big baby face hurrah win you know. Ha- Page and Omega reconcile officially in the ring. They hug, you know, they do something, you know, because, you know, there was, you know, there wasn't like any shows of affection at that, you know, during the promo on on, on last Wednesday's Dynamite. So, um, so, you know, the, and, and of course, that'd be a feel good moment, I, which is something this company kind of needs to, you know, it's just like to focus on something else to get the fan base talking about other things. But... You know, I I love this idea of the Blackpool Combat Club being this this shadow group of thugs just hanging out backstage, just you know around corners and whatnot, and just ready to strike at any given moment. They're just like, oh, you're cutting a promo, wham! You know, we're just <laughs> just out of nowhere. Um, so I like the idea of them continuing that level of brutality, just continuing to be this really dominant, unstoppable force of 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 violent uh uh fight hungry dudes which i which I, I i'm really into as well but you know if if again gun to the head i go with the elite i guess but there's a case for both how awesome was it when i loved the segment oh, on wednesday's dynamite where the young bucks like throw their suitcases at the Blackpool Combat Club and the Blackpool Combat Club just beats the shit out of them and Claudio presses like Nick Jackson and throws him on like onto the windshield of a car. It yeah. was awesome. It, it was that it was fantastic. And and that's I mean, a tease. That's a tease for we're gonna see at Anarchy in Arena. Exactly. Because they just the guys are cutting their promo, they're arriving with their and, and you see the three, you know, Wheeler, John, and, and Claudio all arrive just in the background, just oh god, these uh, you know, pack of wolves. These guys are done. That was hilarious. I loved it. I loved it too. Jamie Hayter is going to be uh, defending her AEW Women's World Championship against Tony Storm. Uh, she is apparently legit injured, but apparently not injured enough that she's really going to be missing some significant amount of time, which is good because Jamie Hayter rules. Um, Tony Storm rules as well. Uh, they've you know, even outside of AEW, they have a long, long, long history together. Um, I'm looking forward to this match just because you got two great professional wrestlers that are going to go at it. That's those are my notes, really. Um, yeah, the ceiling for this match is like best women's match in AEW history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so that that's obviously a positive. 
I think there is, there has been like a long feud between these two parties. So it's not like that, but I do, I don't know if it's been, there's something about this where it, like I'm excited for the quality of the match. And I do think that the feud has, has, has some juice, not maybe not as much as it, maybe it could. I don't think that Tony Storm and Jamie Hayter have been established enough to have like a really strong personal conflict. It's more like Tony Storm is the chosen representative from, um, from the outcasts, from the, the the outcasts, and Jamie Hader as the champion is kind of the obvious you know person for, uh, you know their group. They don't have right. a name, right? The AW original name, whatever. It's Brit the Breaker, AW, Jamie Hader, yeah, the Homegrowns, whatever they call themselves, yeah. yeah. And so like it doesn't, but it doesn't feel like a really dramatic like personal feud between these two women. Um, so and that, in some ways, I think that Tony Storm is going to win. Uh, to beat Jamie Hader and have Hader chasing the title back, and that will help further establish like what we would consider a more personal feud between the two, as opposed to right now this kind of just feels like you are our representative of this team, and you're another representative of this team, and you're going to have the title match, but it doesn't feel like a really personal feud. I, I see that's I think that there's been multiple weeks where this feud has been just treading water, you know, with the run-ins and whatnot. It's been fine, but it hasn't had kind of like I felt with 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 Jericho and and Cole hasn't had that that push you know the next year what do we and having Jamie Hayter drop the title would be exactly that that would be exactly what they'd need if they want to continue this feud moving forward and I feel like they will because I don't think you know I don't think either woman getting the win over the other is going to is going to lock this down and be like oh well all right we're done then fighting the OGs and like I think we're still gonna regardless of the outcome this feud is not over you know there's a lot of people who say we're gonna get the first women's blood and guts match yeah this would be the other kind of feud if you're looking at what's gonna be blood and guts if it's not gonna be BCC versus the elite this would be the only one that seems to have like the numbers in place to do it and there's a novelty to them being the first women's blood and guts match um, that you can get away with I guess Absolutely. Look, the like you said, the ceiling is uh, the expectations are. I think they're justifiably high because you have two great. It will also depend, I guess, on how injured a hater is, and that could also factor into the decision to have her retain or not. You know, we'll see. I guess <laughs> we'll have to see at the pay per view officially. But uh, but no, I'm looking forward to this. Um, so would would you say that you'd pick Tony Storm to win this one here? Yes. Yeah, I'll, I'll pick Tony Storm to win. All right, I'm going to go down that road too. I think it's more interesting. I think the, I think there's more. Uh, I, I I think it suddenly becomes more interesting. It livens everything up. They have maybe they will revert away from this, but for whatever reasons, whether it's a a, a medical reason, a health reason, or it is a, um, just a pure uh, choice based on ability, but they have really shifted away from like Soraya being like the wrestler here. Can we say that's a good thing? Oh, yeah. I, th- I think, like, if we're, if we're looking like the social outcast matches are better when they're, you know, focused on Ruby Riot and Tony Storm. They're a lot mm-hmm. better workers than Soraya. Um, and I think, like, Soraya has really been, like, kind of de emphasized yeah. in this group. Um, and 
it has kind of performance re- it's performance related like it, it like it maybe maybe it's you know if she if she can't wrestle that frequently or doesn't want to wrestle that frequently which she has maybe a very very good reason for not to given her injury history um but it, it feels like you know tony storm should probably be the crown jewel of this this team sure exactly uh, no, I agree with you. Um, she's uh, look. She's never what from what we've seen in AEW. Like she hasn't washed off the WWE style. She really hasn't. No. Uh, and and that's the both, issue. Both in, in promos and in in, in the ring. Uh, in, in, on both levels, absolutely. So, um, and you've got Tony Storm, who is a she can do she can do just about it, just about everything. And I, I look. I, I this might sound a little out of nowhere but I love the Storm Zero like I love her stuff pile driver I just love it because there was a time the Storm Zero was something a little more um, you know she, she it'd be something a little more complex I think when she was in mm-hmm. NXT UK but the stuff pile driver man she just like grabs it in and just falls on like she falls and it's fantastic I, I don't know the quick pile driver it's an awesome move. Yeah. I know like Chris Hero used it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, this is going to drive me crazy, but someone in the best of the super juniors is using it. And I can't remember who it is. And it's bad. As, as his, uh, as his finisher. Yeah. I think so. Right. Maybe I, I definitely saw it recently and it wasn't just Tommy Storm, but I'm pretty sure it was in best of super juniors, but I'm well, I, going through the best, the blocks and like, Who's using that? Like, Chuck Taylor not, uses it. Yeah, Chuck. It's, it definitely wasn't Chuck because he's been using it for a while. This is someone who I was just like watching. I was like, oh, that's awesome. They did the quick pile driver. It might be Yo. Anyway, that's that's this is bad audio of me. No. Someone's probably screaming. Yeah, someone's <laughs> screaming at it. Let me answer. <laughs> Um, yeah, leave us in the comments if you figured it out, or else you yeah, know, I need I need Andrew. I need Andrew Rich. To tell yeah, me. exactly. Um, Orange Cassidy is going to defend the international championship in a 21-man blackjack battle royal. Uh, I hate this so much. Like, I, I, I can't I can't even begin to express how disappointed I am. How about disappointment as opposed to hatred? This is not really hatred. It's disappointment. Um, can I tell you why? Tell us why. I mentioned it previously. Orange Cassidy's streak right now is... One of the best, most consistent, wonderful things in AEW. I think people are legitimately behind it. Everyone recognizes how much of a workhorse he is. They've been building a fantastic story where, because of all of his numerous defenses, his body's breaking down. He can't do the orange punches effectively, which means his arm is hurt, so he can't do the beach break as effectively. He's got to squeak out wins using the mousetrap, pun intended. And then uh, he ends up in a battle royal where everything gets thrown out the window and every this was a perfect opportunity to put this on a strong mid-card heel like Roosh where he would come in like a smart protected mid-card heel like Roosh to come in and see all of the problems and figure out a way to get out of the mousetrap and he'd be the guy and I am so disappointed they're not elevating anyone that they're not that they're not pulling the trigger on this. Hopefully, I'm I'm hoping he retains because I don't want this to stop just yet 
at a friggin' battle royal where Kip Sabian sneaks out the win or something like that, you know? Because that could be that could be a, a, a very concrete reality here. I just, I do not I do not think Kip Sabian is going to win. You know what I mean, though. Yeah, I, I agree with you in that. I think this has been like a great storyline, like week after week. He's he's getting worn down every week. He's got you know more of the uh, kinesio tape on mm-hmm. his back he's just he doesn't have the same kind of pep in his staff he's it's actually like just for like, whatever pep such, for whatever pep is in orange right. cassidy's step but, but he I, would yes. fire up and now he can't fire up at the same like he, yes he's he, i i don't know if he'll ever get proper credit he's such a good worker he's fantastic like, he's so good he's like fantastic. He's, and he's been so good week after week doing this and having exciting matches and this whole storyline where you just know there's going to be some, like you said, there's going to be some opportunistic heel that's going to take advantage of him and win. And they, you know, he's he's wrestling Kyle. He's teased the stuff with Kyle Fletcher and those kind of things. And I think it's actually happening this next Wednesday. They're doing it yeah. before. So, so, like, I'm excited for that. Yeah, and I don't. I some people are like, they should put the title on Kyle Fletcher. I, unless you have him signed, I wouldn't do it. But um, slow down on the Kyle Fletcher guys. Yeah, <laughs> like. Um, I, I, and I'm a fan of, of Kyle Fletcher and I sure. think he's a very interesting prospect, but he's kind of also, I feel like kind of being like that. He's the, the fresh new face that people are like Kyle Fletcher. Yeah. You gotta sign him and you, you gotta put, he's 20, 23 years old. Ugh, like, like, and it's like, all right, let's yes. calm down a little bit. I agree. Um, <laughs> you don't have to push him right now. Um, I like, like when you talk about like strong mid card heel, I, I time for them to do something with swerve. Like, like I'm dying for him to there's another fantastic but you're so right yeah. and, and 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 it fits in his mo to yes, just look per- perfect that's he'd be perfect you just pick everything yeah. apart you does every upper oh my it's even better than Roosh because I'm not that big yeah. Roosh guy I'm I, I keep Roosh at arm's length because I don't trust the guy I really don't why wouldn't you do that why would you why wouldn't you trust Roosh I mean, so many people are like, here's the next Andrade. He's better than Andrade. I'm like, all right, man, folks, <laughs> just hang on a second. Wait till he starts holding Tony up for money. Let's just uh, yeah. wait a second here. Um, but yeah, I think that this is the story is should all be building up towards that heel getting a big win. And he's made this 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 title that everyone, when it was introduced, was like, we don't need this another title. Is this? Why? Mm-hmm. Um, and he's made it really matter and relevant and it's been a feature on television every week um and he i think it deserves to kind of go this way it's weird to have the battle royal I, part of me likes the battle royal because like i liked the setup where he was like um you know anyone that wants a, a match against me they can go to tony khan try to see if it happens like i don't care and then like you know 10 minutes later she's like 20 people have asked and i'm like i actually it's very small, small detail, but I actually like it because I'm like, yeah, like if a, in a in a kayfabe sport, if Orange Cassidy's like, I'll fight anyone if you can, if you, Tony Khan will make the match, and like you got a locker room full of hungry guys that are, you know, running to Tony Khan, being like, I want that match, and I like the idea that everyone in the locker room was like, oh, this title match available, I'm gonna try to get it because they're all competitors. I like that element. I like that Orange Cassidy's demeanor is like I'll just I'll, I guess I'll fight every single one of you at once. The like, setup for the um, match, the setup for the match is consistent with Cassidy because he's been that way yeah. since winning the titles. Like you want a shot, yeah. okay? You know, it's like I he, don't, I don't care. Yeah, I don't oh. think he's going to lose. I think this is a perfect opportunity for him to squeak out another win. 
Like, I think that this I is a way so. for him to kind of survive because he's going to be like laying on the ground on the apron for a while, just <laughs> beaten up by everybody. And then like, you know, two heels are going to get a little too competitive towards the end. And Cassie's going to be able to manipulate them a little bit to, 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 to ease out the win. And then, I hope so. Honestly, I hope so. Uh, I I really hope it doesn't come crashing to a halt here because I think it's the second thing that I enjoy the most out of Dynamite on a consistent basis, the one being Mm -hmm. the the Blackpool Combat Club Elite stuff. And seeing Orange Cassidy kick off quarter hour one is like it's a delight every time. So His promos are good too. Yeah. On his backstage interactions, this, he, was, he got multiple promos on Dynamite. He got he was he was on he got multiple promos in addition to his match. And his his little interactions with Renee, as small as they are, they're just yeah. perfect. And Renee is the pro, the understanding, the business that she is. She just like gets right yeah. into it. She's he like, asked her for the, he asked her, he asked her if she wanted to be in the match. Like she's like no, I don't. Yeah. Oh okay. Yeah. And he just goes oh, all right. You know. <laughs> Um, so at least we're both in agreement that Orange Cassidy should uh, sh- should hopefully retain anyway. I don't want to go down and say, who do you think is going to be in the battle royale? I don't think it really matters. I um, think a lot of people that aren't on the card that are on the AEW roster are going to be in the battle royale. Do you think that this might be... I'm just throwing this out here. We're, look, this is pure speculation. Let's shoot in the breeze here. Do you think that Tony decided to do this as a way maybe to boost morale a little bit keep people happy hey everyone gets a payday kind of situation do you think that might because because it feels so out of left field the battle royal thing despite the fact that it it makes sense you know do you think maybe considering yeah, all think, that's happening i think it's a, i think that's the ancillary benefit of it which is mm-hmm. like let's get as many people on the pay-per-view as possible um to, you know make them feel good about themselves and we're not feeling like we're we're given everyone nothing but they, it's like a casino battle royal and they have one every year at double or nothing no you're right um, I'm, th- I'm thinking too much into it there you go you're right you're right you're right you're right it's just the battle royal battle royal has all the disgruntled people in it it's like the disgruntled employee battle royal <laughs> andrade miro yeah thunder rosa decides to get some intergender in there you yeah go. Like, just... <laughs> um well, look, we were talking about the international title and how exciting that's been. Let's talk about the TNT title. Wardlow, the champion, is going to be taking on Christian Cage in a ladder match. Um, I'm going to let you take the lead on this one because I feel like I'm... I think people... Go ahead. I, well, I, think people, I think people are appropriately kind of like soft on Wardlow now. He hasn't been followed up. I think the way a lot of people would think he would have been followed up like mm-hmm. a year ago after beat MJF. I think there's also an element of Wardlow being a little bit more limited uh, as an overall performer than maybe some people would like to admit. Um, He's still over. That that yeah the, yeah the idea is like listen to what he what look what they did to Wardlow. I'm like I don't know people are they still want to see him come out and powerbomb people. They don't maybe have an emotional investment beyond that, but I'm not sure that they ever did. <laughs> to be perfectly honest, like sure. I think people That's wanted fair. to see see him powerbomb MJF and turn on MJF, but the idea of like Wardlow, the crowd wanting Wardlow to be the world champion, I don't know if he was ever there. Um, but that being said, like I think in a vacuum, this is a perfectly cromulent mid card title match for pay per view. Christian Cage, I think, has been really strong in his promos. He's so good, incredible. Um, he's 
He's getting so much heat. He's so detestable. He's kind of like the perfect heel mm-hmm. as a, as a, as a, on a microphone, at least, um, you know, he, he's done such a great job. They've kept them apart. Um, so yeah. I, I think this is a, and I think it's a good feud for Wardlow because I think Pete, the crowd really doesn't like Christian cage and they want to see this guy get power bombed by Wardlow. And that's what ultimate Wardlow needs. He needs a heel that fans are like, we want to see this big muscle guy tear apart. And Christian Cage is getting, I think, the right kind of heat to do that. Even if you're like a smart, hardcore fan, you're like, Christian Cage is more entertaining than Wardlow, and I think he should win. Yeah. Because um, I enjoy him more. But there's, I would, but there, but I would, I would completely be into a Christian Cage TNT title run. I, I one great more Christian. If it means more Christian is great for 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 me as yeah. a fan. Yes, like he just that's that's always going to be a positive. Um, but I, that's I think he's a good opponent for Wardlow because I think he's getting the right kind of heat. Yes. Um, now this is a ladder match. Yeah. Which I don't think a lot of people saw coming or as particularly necessary. It does create an element for Christian Cage to like screw Wardlow out of the title. Like he doesn't mm-hmm. have to pin Wardlow. He just needs to kind of in, 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 this is aura of Christian Cage is the ladder match mastermind, both in 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 shoot and kayfabe. So um, there's an element of that. I don't know. Like if you want to just the TNT title should just be Wardlow gets screwed out of it, then he gets it back, then he gets screwed out of it, then he gets it back, which is kind of what they've been doing with the title. I don't know if that's really helped the title or it's helped Wardlow, but it is a way to do it. Um, Look, because I I'm I'm. Like I just said, I am very pro-Christian winning this title because I think it would be very interesting. But how many times over the past few months now have we been saying, oh, well, X has the the TNT title now, time to rehabilitate it, right? Oh, you know, the first, you know, when Wardlow got it, then Joe got it, then Hobbs got it. And now back to Wardlow again. I might have missed uh, Wardlow. Look, doesn't matter. The point being is that it's, you know, people who call it the hot potato title, they're not, you know, I, uh, it's hard to disagree. It's like, okay, you know, I get, I get what you mean. Um, and it's you know, always been, it's always been that way, kind of. Has it? I, or, or, here's the thing, has it, or are we just under the impression that it's not because of the Cody run, which is still the best, you know, the, which is still one of the best title runs in AEW history? I feel like it's always been like, so AW is really protective with its world title, and they don't just put it. Yeah, and they don't just put it on everyone. It's like a lot of long reigns with the world title in general. And so, as a supplemental title, the TNT title has been more of a title that you see get passed around more. You know, Cody had his feuds with, you know, he had the feud with Brody Lee, which was the you know your classic kind of you know heel gets the title, babyface is going to chase to get it back. Um, you know, he loses it to Darby. Darby has, you know, a, a decent run with it. But how long was Darby's run with it, really? It Not like, very long. Like, yeah, it really wasn't that long. He wrestled a lot during it. Um, and then you kind of go into this phase where, you know, Sammy had it, Cody had it, Scorpio Sky had it. It was, it was bouncing around again. Um, and, you know, when you talked about Wardlow and Samoa Joe and Hobbs and Wardlow again. Um I just think that it's been a title that has been passed around a lot. And that's kind of, it's not necessarily a bad thing because of how other titles in this company have been treated. 
You look at the world title, obviously, and then you look at Orange Cassidy's had this title, international title, for a long time too, and he's had a million defenses of it. So, you I know again, I don't necessarily. Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm getting on board with what you're saying, and you're, you know, it's actually, I'm actually getting. I, I'm actually going to probably reach a point where I'm going to get mad at people who talk about the hot potato wing because look, listen, um, Cody's, uh, you know, the, again the legendary run that we all have in our brain, you know, where it's like oh, good, 82 days, right? It's one of the shortest reigns that that, that the title has had. Um, Darby's second reign was uh, first reign was 186 days. Uh, and uh, like you know, Brody Lee had it for fifty-five days. Uh, Miro was one of the longest at one hundred and forty. You know, Darby one hundred and eighty-six is actually the longest uh, championship reign. You've had Wardlow's had it. You know, this is his third reign. We're in thirty days, thirty-one days in. He had it for three days previously, uh, mm-hmm. and one hundred and thirty-six days after. Samoa Joe had it for forty-six. Darby's second reign, twenty-eight days. Back to Samoa Joe, then to Wardlow. I guess, it, like, this is this conversation is completely switching my perception of the TNT title. Where I'm like, yeah, you know what? It is a, a title that just bounces around people. It, it gets to- defended on TV a lot, which makes sense because it's the TNT yeah. title. It's defended on TNT a lot, or you know, TBS more more likely now. But it, the, the idea behind it is it gets defended a lot, which maybe changes the way people. Oh, they had a long reign with it. And it's like, well, they defended it a bunch of times, so you think it was a long reign, but it was really just a bunch of you know matches that they had in a short period of time. And I think that's all good to me. Um, I think I think. The reason people, the, the hot potatoing people use that as kind of a, 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 a for saying that the title feels less important, mm. which it does. But I think it feels less important because the execution from a storyline and character perspective around the people that have had the title has uh, been lacking. Sure. Um, and a lot of that comes back to, I think, Wardlow being limited as a performer. His promos are limited. His in-ring is limited. Um the stories that they've been trying to tell have been kind of convoluted. The, the you know the the powerhouse Hobbs and the QTV and that kind of elements of it haven't I think hit the way people have thought, and so people feel less uh, invested in the title. And they will you know they can say oh it's been hot potatoed around, which is true, but to me the real reason people feel less interested in it is because of the the performance aspect regarding sure. the title, um, and. It could be, it could happen again. It could be a total, but I, I think you remove all that. I just think like, what's the last three or four weeks of this build have been? It's like Christian's getting a lot of heat and people want to see Wardlow beat this guy up. And I think that's good. That's, that's a good, perfectly fine mid card title. It's not going to, it's not going to be the biggest feud on the show. Um, now I think the other element here is the ladder match, which I don't think anyone really saw as necessary. No. Um, and I think what's interesting what I will say about it, and, and people said there's too many ladder matches, which there probably are, but I subscribe AEW has so so I think to me, especially what this match is going to look like, there's a really big difference between a multi-man ladder match and a singles ladder match. The structure of the match is very different. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. and that's kind of I also think this is kind of right in Christian's will wheelhouse and the christian okay christian's a great historically great ladder match performer at 49 years old and with his injury history he's probably not going to wrestle a traditional ladder match like where he's going to be 
he maybe does one spot, but he's not going to be taking all these bumps, you know, off no. the ladder, falling to the outside, crashing through tables. Like probably that's not. just and Wardlow. That doesn't seem to be his style either. Um, he's a lot younger than Christian Cage, but he's a big guy. He's a catcher. He's not a flyer. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, I think maybe he'll hit a swanton off the top of a ladder or something like that. Like he'll he will do something, but this is going to be a much more different ladder match. It's going to be a personal feud. There'll probably be some inner Luchasaurus is probably going to get involved at some point. He'll probably take a big bump uh, off of something. Arn will probably land a straight right at some point, you know, Arn. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Arn will be there. Like it'll be, there'll be stuff. There'll be smoke and mirrors because it's an ODQ match, but I, this is going to be a, and again, it's a ladder match. So how different can it really be? But I think like from a match perspective, it's going to be a lot different than your typical AEW ladder matches. I mean, um, I'm I'm on the I'm looking it up right now. I'll, but I'll ask you this: How many ladder matches do you think have taken place in AEW history? Uh I would say twelve. Yeah, so this is going to be the twelfth. So this okay eleven matches. So and so yeah, that feels like you know the company's been around since 2019. So it feels kind of like you know you're doing. Um, a lot of them in a short period of time, especially because out of those 12, five, uh, you know, four of them took place during the first three years of the company. Um, mm-hmm. And then the remaining, you know, seven have taken place since 2022. So in the last 18 months, you've had, this will be the seventh ladder match. Um, that being said, they haven't had a singles ladder match in over a year. That was the Scorpio Sky versus Sammy Guevara uh, ladder match. Uh, when Scorpio Sky won the title, and that was a little over a year ago. Everything else has been either tag matches or your multi-man matches, which are just, they're just different elements. Um, and so there is a little bit of different, I guess, intrigue to to, the, to this being a ladder match than maybe just, oh, it's the same ladder match. We're gonna, the guy's going to run up. Someone else is going to cut him off. Someone's going to jump off the ladder yeah. and crash into a bunch of different people. <laughs> this is different. This is more of a sure. personal feud. And I think that, like, like this is Christian. This is him. This is he is going to have a lot of ideas for what they can do in this kind of a match. And it wouldn't surprise me if it's really good. Oh, again, I wouldn't be surprised if it's really good either. My, you know, I'm I'm fully aware. I'm 100 percent cognizant of the fact that my ladder match fatigue is due to the fact that I watch a lot of pro wrestling and and, and I'm at a point where I was like, OK, and, you know, the. The, you know, it, it's a very good point that you bring up in regards to the fact that it's a singles match. It's a one-on-one because, you know, I, I'm my 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 fatigue is probably linked to the fact that most of the time these are multi-man matches. And the last prominent one we saw, you know, a guy's foot started ended up pointing inward after the match, which is something that I, you know, I'm like, OK, we got to stop this. We got to stop just trying to. Because oftentimes the ladder matches just become what what creative weirdo spot can we do? How can we tinker toy this into something people have never seen before? And all the ladder matches end up being smushed together in people's brains and nothing memorable comes out of them anymore because it's just guys flying off of stuff. Not, not unlike Helen Estelle's and stuff like that. It's just, it's overwrought, it's overdone. They're not memorable anymore. We just forget. And a lot of them, them are just, and a lot of them are just, uh, here's a bunch of guys that are going to try to do something. Like, there you six go. Guys. Um, and I, I just looking up like in, since AEW has started, WWE has done 20 ladder matches. Mm. 
So you, see, that's just the thing. If you're, if you're watching both products, even if you can say, oh, AEW's only done 12, WWE's done 20, WWE's doing it. It's like, if you're just a regular wrestling fan, you're kind of watching both shows. And like you mentioned the, 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 you know, the, um, Dante, uh, yeah, the Ring of Honor. Yeah, yeah, Dante Martin got hurt. Like, that was a Ring of Honor show. It wasn't technically an AEW show. But if you're just a wrestling fan, you're seeing a lot of ladder matches. Mm-hmm. Um, if you watch some indie shows, you see some ladder matches. If you watch, uh, yeah. you know, thank God for Japan sometimes, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway. But they've no, had, yeah. You know, the, 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 Overall, like that's the thing. I think this is the the the, the case in point of what we said at the very very start uh, of the of the podcast today is that you you know the the match will likely be good even if the elements bringing it together are creating exhaustion. At least for me, like I'm, t- I'm speaking very personally here. You know, I'm like ah oh, another ladder match kind of thing, but. I've been into it. I've been into the Christian Cage stuff. What do you want from me? Like this is, you know, it's it's been fantastic. So I'm excited to see this. And again, like you said, the you know the fact that he's a uh, he, like this is his thing. Ladder matches are his thing, and he's a great storyteller. This is going to be. It cannot. Be, it cannot suck. It's not going to be bad. We're gonna we're gonna find something. We're gonna be all entertained with. And then everyone's going to point their finger at me and say, Warren, you're just complaining for nothing, you sad old man. Essentially. <laughs> I will not say that. I will not say Warren. I might say you're complaining for nothing, but I will not be an ageist about it. Okay, thank you. FTR going to defend the World Tag Team Championship, <clears throat> pardon me, against Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. I'm going to ask you the question straight off the bat. Jesse, do we finally belt up Jeff Jarrett the winner, Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. No. Really? Okay. Talk to me. Well, I think FTR, like they've been messing around with the tag team titles. And I think the idea is that FTR, the titles are back on FTR and they're going to be the proper, we're going to, we're going to get back to like having a workhorse team as, as tag team champions. Okay. I think, um, Mm, I don't need more shenanigans. We did the whole thing with the guns. Mm-hmm. Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal have been in the tag team title picture for for a decent period of time right now. I don't need um, like more shenanigans with oh like these you know scummy heels have manipulated their way to steal the titles again. I think that's just it's getting too repetitive, especially in the tag team division. Sure. And I think the idea is like we got to get. I don't want to say that we, we need to fix FTR because I think they're still over and I don't think there's anything wrong with how they've been presented. But I think the idea is like, we got to, you know, tag team wrestling was so strong for AEW. And like, even like, you know, we had the acclaimed title run. And um, as we mentioned, like the acclaimed are great, but they're not necessarily the in-ring people, especially like the Max Caster end of it. Um, and I think actually Max has improved a lot. I yes. don't want to like slander Max Caster at all, but it's a different level of matches with the acclaimed when you're talking about FTR, the Young Bucks, the Lucha Brothers. Even like when you know Jurassic Express or, or Swerve and, and Lee had like they, they those guys they, we were having four star matches all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and just you know, I I have enjoyed Jeff Jarrett more than I thought I was going to. When he, Same. Um, which like, and I was that's a pretty low bar. Like I was like pretty much like, oh my god, why is Jeff Jarrett here? Um, but I don't need to see him with a title. I don't need to see, um, like but, just this more like another basically repeating the gun storyline where it's a scummy heel team that won a title. It just 
have FTR beat these guys, have Mark Briscoe, you know, find you know finally realize that these do guys the right are his thing. Friend. Yeah. Um, and, and and I think you can wrap that up. I don't I don't hate this match. I when we talked about like um like how I liked you know Adam Cole tackling Chris Jericho. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that FDR just came out and pushed Satnam Singh like right <laughs> off of the uh, thing and threw a table. Now ultimately they got beat down anyway. So, but I like the idea where it's like we are we're baby faces. These guys are out here talking shit about us, and we're not gonna just dumbly run out and fight them on their terms. Like we're gonna be actually smart. And we're gonna be like let's target the big guy, take him out first, and then we're gonna beat the shit out of Jarrett and 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 Lethal. And I, I, I'm like, yeah, they, they came out, they came across as urgent, they came across as motivated, and mm-hmm. they're like, we know you're trying to manipulate our friend, our dear friend, Mark Briscoe, and we're not having any of that, and we're going to beat the shit out of you. Um, And I, I like that. I like that setup for it. So I, I don't have the match. I think you have um, three really good workers in it. I've Like I said, I've enjoyed Jarrett. You know, physically, he looks great for his his age. In the ring, I think it's a lot of. I think it's kind of been rough. Um, it's been some smoke and mirrors, sure. You know, a lot of people. He just he just doesn't move like the well, way like not. I, I mean that. I know you know I know, but I think because he looks great, people are like you know Jared. He's still good. That but he's just that, and I think I think there's that the fact that he looks great, and I think this comes from uh, also from the the Ric Flair retirement match where he did a great job keeping that match together at the same time so people were like i think that there's a one-in-one correlation there right and and mentally he's got you know the experience and because he comes from such a different environment than all the wrestlers today you know growing up that method the tennessee memphis style like he he does some things in the ring with like you know the way he works his punches the way he sells the way he cuts off people that are still intriguing but just like when you watch him run the ropes you watch him you know pop up after bumps and stuff like that just he moves slower than than you look at the other three guys in in this match uh yeah. and it's obvious which guy is is past his prime and which guys are are, are you know you know still in their primes and uh i so that's my uh kind of the mat, like the actual in-ring work, I'm not like super excited about. Um, I think again, this seems like this is a perfectly fine mid-card. Feed. Sure. Yes. But the tag team titles in the tag team division AEW has historically been presented at a higher level. Yes. Where it's 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 they're not a mid-card feud; they're a main event feud, and the, the tag team title match should be one of the three biggest matches on every pay-per-view, and that's not the case this time around. No, it's it's actually been a while. I feel since it hasn't been like that, right? Because we've had a lot of shenanigans. Yeah, and I know the titles can't be on the Young Bucks all the time, and they can't be on FTR all the time. But there's it does, does feel like they've they're leaning more towards like these like mid card kind of depth tag teams, and all these these other teams, whether it's FTR, the Young Bucks, the Lucha Brothers, um, even like a really prominent tag team with two singles singles guys. It just they're not. They're not pushed as they're not around the tag team titles. Basically. No, no, and um, and, and, and there has be. been there has been halcyon days for the like for the for the for the tag titles, you know, because you you spoke of you know you you already mentioned like you know the the the, the four that already come to mind, you know, and and then on top of that you had Santana and Ortiz. You still had the best friends who were still able still able even today to pull out great matches. Uh, you had uh, Omega and uh, Page who yeah. were. 
absolutely fantastic. And <clears throat> their match with the Bucks is one of the greatest tag team matches of all time. So there, it's weird to say, you know, that there's there's an era of AEW where the tag team division, well, we were when AEW was coming up in the grassroots aspects of it, we were promised that this would be the place for tag team wrestling. And for a long time, it really was. They lived up to it. But now it's just like, okay. And I kind of miss it because there is a dynamic. You know, there is, a, there is something different to tag team wrestling when done by tag team wrestlers. Um, actual teams, it is different. It is a different spectacle. And I think it's a, it's a color that's lacking in, uh, in AEW now. And the weird thing is all of those teams that we've mentioned, they're all still around. Yeah. Like, you know, like, okay, like, um, you know, Santana got really injured, so he's been out. So, you know, they're, they're, they're you know, LAX and, um, or Proud and Powerful, they're mm. kind of, you know, on, on, been on hold, obviously, but like Young Bucks, still, FTR still around, Best Friends still around, you know, Hangman, Page and Omega, they have a whole story thing where they, they weren't going to get back together, but there's still plenty of other singles combinations you can put together. Um, all of these teams are still around. Lucha Brothers are still around and tagging all the time. Like, you don't need to, it's not like, you know, everyone got injured, guys left to other companies, these kind of things. Like, the depth is still there, just kind of really? for whatever reason, the, tag, the titles have been focused on other teams that have bring something different to the table. Like, like I said, I'm a huge fan of the Acclaimed. Yeah. Like, and I think they deserve, they deserve to have the tag team titles. Because they're, yeah, because um, they were over. They're a great act. They're fantastic. And if the Acclaimed were working against the Lucha Brothers and FTR and the Young Bucks, they'd probably have a bunch of great matches. Mm-hmm. But they were working against the Guns. And they were working against, you know, Jay Lethal and, and Jeff Jarrett. It's just different. And I'd like to see the, t- I, I, like, I want to see FTR beat these guys. And then I want to see things get back on track with, yeah. with I think different few you know the only team i think we really lost is red dragon i think that's the only that's the only team that yeah that we that that, that we lost hey look kyle riley's coming back pretty i think he's, he's he's on the path to coming back we don't know exactly when um he's come back for his injury roger strong is, is with the company you don't have to reform you're not going to form red dragon without Boston okay fish. i um, here i was sitting as like wait is jesse about to make a case for bob fish here is this where we were going down? He's in the disgruntled battle royal. Um, <laughs> um, you have, um, but you have Bob Fish. Um, you don't have Bob. Fish. You, I don't think bring back Bob Fish, but you I could don't. do Kyle O'Reilly in, in and Rod Strong. Sure. Look, and part of this is the trios titles have taken up some of the tag teams that you have, and like the Young Bucks were involved in the trios titles for a while. Um, Lucha Brothers, same thing. They were involved in the tag team titles or trios titles with Pac. Um, so, so those kind of suck up time. But you also have like, um, look, you have you have you also have guys that we don't really see a lot of, but are still pretty good tag teams. You have Silver and Reynolds, and you have, mm-hmm. you know, they they Stu Grayson's back. Like you have Uno and Grayson and stuff like that. So you just you have a lot of depth here, uh, and different stuff you can do. And I'd like to to see it get spread out more. I, I'm very uh, part of it. You know, Jeff Jarrett does have stroke backstage, and he always wins. He's yeah, he got, his, he, always wins. He, he got he's, his wife hired. He's got, he's found his way into another pay per view match for AEW. <laughs> I think is he? He's, I think he's three for three as far I, as his role. I like, believe since his return, he has not missed a pay per view payday. I believe yeah, that is so correct. He's 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 the, he's got his he's got his way again. Um, but I hope this is probably the last time we see him challenging for the tag titles. 
They're talking about Stu Grayson. Did you see on Ring of Honor the the, the righteous are trying to uh, entice him away from the Dark Order? Did you see this? No, but I could see it happening. I think the Dark Order is running on fumes at this point. So yeah, and it's crazy because I've always been a Super Smash Bros. fan, like the video game, well, but also the tag team. Uh, and <laughs> both, both, yeah. And but and and it's a sh- I I. I think it's a shame. Look, we're rattling off all these great tag teams and SSB didn't even come up, right? Because they, it, I think it's a shame that AEW fans will have never really seen just how good these guys are as a duo because Stu and Uno are fantastic, just an electric tag team. Just always great stuff in PWGs and, you know, I've seen them on the local scene here in Canada. Like, they, these guys are fantastic. Yeah, yeah, they're from your neck of the woods, and they've they've been great for a long time. Like Stu Grayson's mm-hmm. been great for a long time, and I I'm not 100 percent sure what happened where he was. You know, he didn't resign with the company, um, and then I don't know. Did he did he wrestle? Um, oh yeah, he wrestled a lot. I saw him a couple of times over in yeah. C4 in Ottawa, and just he he had a spectacular match with Eddie Kingston in Ottawa, mm-hmm. uh, which it just blew me away at how freaking violent it was. It was great. Yeah, and he's always been great. And you know, so like, they, but they had this weird period where he wasn't with the company, and then I, he came. He's back now. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's like yeah. a, he was you know travel thing, like personal reasons didn't didn't offer him enough money at first, and. To, to make it worthwhile or whatever, but um, there's plenty of work to do in the tag team division. Oh yeah, there's lots to do. Lots to do. And now we're we're finally at it. We're at the main event. We've been poking and prodding at it the entire show. The four pillars match. MJF is going to defend the AW World Championship against Sammy Guevara, Jungle Boy Jack Perry, and Darby Allen. Uh, listen, we've been talking about it tons about how the build has been iffy. I don't think necessarily we have to rehash that, but you did bring up a point earlier on, and I think this—I think this is kind of where we're at here because I don't think we have to rehash all the discourse around the, you know, was it a, you know, how how iffy the build has been. But I think you made an interesting point, Jesse, and I think we should talk about it, and I'll let you go with it. But I think ultimately, despite the fact that this match is going to be good because the guys here are just too talented that's the thing they're going to want they're probably going to want to prove the haters wrong and so on and so forth um i think we end up in a situation where a lot of these guys look worse off than when they came in from the get-go yeah i think lost um, a little luster if you you i think i think two things um have undermined this this build um that i can point to okay the first is sammy Guevara's character is incredibly inconsistent mm-hmm. um and I, for whatever reason they've whether it's tony's this creative whether it's sam what sam you know sammy wants to do certain things i'm not sure but to me it's Samuel Guevara is not a wrestler that should be having like uh, confusion about what his what his best role is. I think it's very obvious he's a scumbag heel. Yep. And he's you know he's athletic and he's talented, but he's really arrogant um, and he's self-absorbed and he uh, loves himself, and that should be his character. 
and he gets he'll get heat and he'll get people into his matches and people will want to see the baby faces beat him and for whatever reason he's been flirting back and forth for years now on being a babyface and, uh, and it just it just hasn't worked even though mm-hmm. it's and it's obvious he should be in one direction and just within this feud because he had after he had had some sort of you know character confusion over the course of last year early last year once he kind of got back in the jericho appreciation society um he got back on track it's like yeah he's an obvious heel and you know he's he's doing his thing and it's working and it's working with the the thing with dan garcia in the meantime when you know where he's just being this you know this this shitty little punk is like hey i'll take you under my wing like okay yeah it it all works yeah that's that's his character and then for whatever reason he's gone he's in this feud alone he started off kind of turning babyface. He's disassociated from Jericho. He's, you know, saying Max doesn't deserve a title shot. Look how hard I work. Babyface promos. Then he was a heel. He's aligned with Max. He got paid off. And at that point, I was like, okay, now we're back on track again. Now it makes sense. Sammy is a heel. He's getting paid off with MJF. And, you know, we're going to get to this four-way match where, you know, Sammy and MJF are going to be working together. And then inevitably they're going to fall apart because um, Sammy won't lay down for Max or whatever. But instead, we are back at this point where Sammy's a babyface again. Uh, yeah. So just within the context of this feud, he has you know turned babyface, then turned heel, then turned babyface again. And it wasn't like it was a one-segment swerve where he pretended to turn heel and then, oh, no, I'm still babyface. He was heel for like two weeks, and then he was babyface again because Max made, did something reprehensible, and he, he's back to being a babyface. And He's cutting babyface promos like he did on Wednesday night. Mm -hmm. I don't know what I'm supposed to like. He's in this feud with these other people. And I think it has taken so much of the steam out of this feud. Um, And I haven't, I think it's hurt people's emotional investment in in the match because he's this, you know, he's a, he's a, he's only, he's just a part of it, but it's this part that's been responsible for a lot of, I think the the storyline has been, what are Sammy's decisions? Who's he aligned with those kind of things. Yeah. And I just, it's just been too, um, his character's motivations have been too volatile. Um, and he's not a sympathetic baby face. And I think it's hurt everything in the match. That's, that's my first point, but I'll let you reflect on that before I mention my other issue. Yeah. But, and, and, and you're absolutely right. Like it, it um, it, it in the sense that he's also they're trying to babyface him up where you have two natural already two natural babyfaces already in the match and who are arguably much more over right like very, very I think they're definitely more over as babyfaces so you know if you had added an extra level of scumbaggery to this I, I absolutely look I am 100% with you I don't know I don't know why he comes out to a dragon ball montage or not montage but homage is the word i was looking for dragon ball like beloved anime show dragon ball z that even people who don't watch anime like and know about you know i don't know why the the, you know he as a heel would come out like his presentation has always been right and left when i agree with you like i that, those are my notes i agree with you jesse the, he he's he's a scumbag he should be a scumbag that's i mean i mean, i don't know him personally i'm not saying he's legitimately a scumbag when i say his persona is a scumbag that's what we should be zeroing in on i agree 
And then so the other element of this is that I think has been hugely detrimental to the match um, is the whole four pillars branding aspect of it. I think it was a mistake to really lean hard into the idea that these guys are the four pillars, the future of our company. And they added that branding very early within AEW where we just never knew if these guys were going to develop in the skills and the popularity to be main eventers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and there's been other people that have come along that have maybe usurped them as far as young talent that people would feel more comfortable as, as potential main eventers. You could look at someone like Ricky Starks. And not just um, dudes. And not just dudes. Yeah. Um, and there's a, an element of that in it kind of like you know the whole i don't think fan, i don't think aw fans really care who the four pillars are and i haven't liked the tone in a lot of these promos that they've done where it's focused on this kind of meta narrative of like i deserve to be the champion i work the That's hardest i was on the indies i broke my ass all three of these guys sammy jungle boy and darby sound the same when they mm-hmm. should be very three distinct different personalities. But they all sound the same when they're like, MJF, he doesn't deserve it. He barely wrestles. I'm the heart and soul of AEW. I want to be the face of AEW. It comes across as very WWE-ish. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that we're talking about, I want to be the face of the company. The authority doesn't want me to be the face of the company. But I work the hardest and I, the fans like me the most. And it's like, not none of these guys come across as that sympathetic. And none of these guys come across as people that... Like it kind of inherently kind of makes MJF look more sympathetic because MJF is the guy who's like basically coming out and he's like, all you guys whine and I win my matches and you guys all think you can have this role, but you can't. And I'm like, they're kind of right. He's right. Connects, they think he can, they can have this role and they can't. Connects with, um, our, with our discussions about heels earlier with Adam Cole. And, you know, it's like, yeah, I mean, the heel is making sense. What do you want from me? Yeah. I'll, yeah. yeah. Um, and so. I think though that element with it has also hurt just the idea that I don't think fans, I don't think are really res- going to respond that much to like, Oh, I want to be the face of AEW. I'm, I'm the heart and soul of AEW. Like those are fine things to say, but like as a fan, like I don't really care who the face and heart and soul of AEW is. What kind of personality are you displaying that I'm going to enjoy seeing your, your promos and what kind of work are you doing? That's going to make me excited to see you in, in matches. That's, that's what I care about as a fan. Um, and I just think that the whole direction that all three of these guys have kind of been working in is trying to be like, I deserve it. I'm the best of the four pillars and, and, you know, Max is the least deserving of it. It's like wrestling's not necessarily an, the industry is not about what you deserve, deserve. It's about what you can do. Yeah. Um, and it just, I think, I don't think that's emotionally responded with anybody. Um, and I think it has give also give off the impression that none of these guys can promo and that all these promos have been weak. Um, well, they mostly have. Let's be honest; uh, they mostly have. Uh, and and you know, I've I've pointed out the the similarities and all of this. And look, this is how this is how Sammy really could have chomped down on something to to steer away from it if he had been, you know, a heel. If he had acted like a heel throughout, instead of he going down the, I went up and down the roads here in Austin and down to Houston, and you know, like if he would have been. The scumbag. He would have stood apart instantly in his promos. Immediately. 
just be like like, like neither of the others. Darby Darby's motivations is that he's he's nuts and he just you know and yes like he's the he's the his arc is I have crawled my way up to this you know I was living in my car yada yada and now here is where this is where I am you know kind of thing and I think Jungle Boys I think the angle they didn't work off enough is the idea that everyone was like oh well you're just in here because you're you're pretty and you have a famous dad you know kind of thing he could have not necessarily lean into it but play off of it a little more because they all sort of like you said they all sort of smush together it's just like one big ball of the exact same grievance and just repeated but with different different inflections <laughs> kind of feels like to me and this might this might to give um and i don't know this is just kind of an impression i get from watching it it kind of feels like to me that they're like okay these none of these guys are maybe strong conventional promos let's go over what they're going to say and whether that's tony doing that whether that's an agent doing that whether it's chris jericho doing that whoever one of the coaches would whoever is doing this they're like all right this is your hook MJF is a scumbag and he doesn't deserve to be champion. And you're a hardworking young baby face and you deserve to be champion. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot more. Of, and that kind of message was told to all three guys and all three guys promos all sound like that. As opposed to if you were to have more experienced uh, talkers, they would be put in a position where they could add a little bit more individuality to their promos. Right. But perhaps because there's, there's been maybe a little bit more handholding due to the lack of experience. Um, the promos have a little bit more and one of the reasons it probably sounds like more like a wwe thing because that's what wwe does everyone talks the same in wwe um like i i thought i liked darby's first promo you know where sting came out and sting cut a promo too and that kind of interaction with mjf mm -hmm. but then when he had another one where they were all you know it was you know the all three, three of them the ring, oh God, he, that was he sounded like a completely different person yeah. like he didn't sound like the darby allen character that got over as this mm -hmm. kind of like loner drifting kind of guy who doesn't like isn't interested in playing politics and instead he's like you're i think you see the one that said you're only here because of the california click yes 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 yep that one and it's like that's not darby's personality like no and it, it felt it felt off and it one felt of the middle think, school for him in this yeah like, and just cool kids yeah and it's one of the things it's like i feel less good about darby and jungle boy and samuel guevara now than i did a few months ago and that's not a good thing and no. Oh, and I, I, I want to say, I want to make it kind of clear here. I'm really supportive of the idea of being like, let's take some of our homegrown talent, young guys under 30. I think Darby's just, just turned 30. And let's put them in the main event with MJF. We'll do a oh, four-way to kind of masquerade the fact that none of them maybe are individually big enough to do it. Mm -hmm. And let's just see what these guys can do in the main event. Now, I think what they've learned is maybe that there's some shortcomings there. But I'm really supportive of let's try something with this new young talent. Let's throw them into the deep end of the pool and see if they can swim. And they've learned something, I think, so far. <laughs> the um, audience has and, learned something, I'll tell you what. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe, maybe it hasn't been maybe, maybe it hasn't been beneficial to their careers. But you gotta at least try. Yes. And a lot of wrestling companies are afraid to do that. And a lot of them are like, we can't put this guy here because we need someone the fans are going to recognize. So here's an older name from the past. 
and you just you're never going to evolve your company without taking those shots. Um, I don't think the execution has been there at all, but I'm really supportive of the fact that AEW is legitimately trying with these guys. And and, and I'm with you on that. And I'll tell look, this is what I would have liked to have seen happen, right? Because I'm I am I especially when it comes to your world title, build a challenger, build one guy. That's all I need. That's and that's really how it should be because because you're trying to build three other guys at once. Look, it's also one of the components why I feel this main event feud isn't working is that you're trying to build three guys at once and, you know, none of the three guys have the basic chops to pull it off. Anyway, then play to their strengths. They're all great wrestlers. What should you do? Have a tournament. Just have them have a tournament. I know they did the tournament nonsense and then they re- they retconned it, but I was even going, have these guys do, have them have a little round robin amongst themselves. Have, you know, have a round robin and let the guys get themselves over like a lot of guys get over and girls in AEW working. Yep. Just have them work. That's all. And, and Jamie Hayter didn't get over because of her prime mic skills, Jesse. She got over because she can work. And it's the same thing with these three guys too. If they, if, if they had, or a competition, like a leaderboard, you know, this is what I was, you know, I, what I was hoping we'd do, like a round robin or a leaderboard where the guys are working every week, either amongst themselves or not, and we have a scoreboard. And whoever more has the, the, the most points at the end gets the shot at, uh, at, uh, um, at uh, MJF. And then... So then we, we're still going down this experiment, like you said, right? The good part of being, we're going to throw some of the young guys into the main event, which is great. But Tony then is testing out guys live and in these big spots. He's like, let's see how this goes, fellas. You know, and he can readjust course as we're going along. And then suddenly maybe it's like, you know what? Darby's the guy. And he has Darby win the tournament or whatever. And then like the experiment could have been a lot more real time and it would have allowed I think it would have allowed for a more interesting build better matches and I think all three guys would have been would have benefited they all would have been elevated in a certain way if we had stuck to just let them work I totally agree I also this this whole thing dynamic in AEW if you want to be a top guy in AEW you got to earn that mm-hmm. and you got to be really really can i swear on this yeah you've got to be really i gotta emphasize this you got to be really really fucking good like you just have to be you have to be a really good promo and you have to be a really good promo in different types of settings you got to be a good 30 second tv interview backstage with renee paquette promo you got to be a good 10 minute in the ring promo person those are two skills you pretty much have to have and you got to be really good wrestler in the ring and you got to be able to get over your your whether you're a heel or baby face get the sympathies with the audience and work them and do all these things that you have to be just standard is really high look at the people that have been AEW world champions it's chris jericho it's kenny omega it's john moxley it's hangman page it's mjf it's like the most talented people we have in this industry for real mm-hmm. and it's not not it's not like wwe where they will push someone and even if they don't really kind of get over or they're just kind of um they're pretty basic like 
you could keep pushing them and it doesn't really matter if we're pushing, yeah. giving them a main event. It doesn't really matter if Baron Corbett's going to be in the main event of a pay-per-view match because whatever, money's guaranteed or whatever happens. AEW's promotion where you got to earn it. And if you don't, if you are not at that level, the fans will recognize it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what's happening with some of these guys. And some of these guys are just not going to get to that level. Yeah. Some of them, it's going to come out that they're just not good enough to make it. Um, and people sometimes don't want to say that people don't want to, people want to act like anyone can get over with the right kind of booking. Um, anyone can get over with, you know, the right, right presentation. And it's, it's, if you're, if you're a big fan of a wrestler, you don't want to say it's their fault that they can't do it, but it's a high bar to clear. And not every single person with potential in AEW is going to turn out to be a main event world champion. AEW in particular has this um, thing. There's a dynamic in place here where if someone feels new or someone feels fresh, like they haven't really been pushed that hard before, fans will gravitate towards that person because they have this uh, uh, mysterious potential of being perhaps a top star. Let's call it the Kyle Fletcher effect. Right. I think that's a good case. Like Kyle Fletcher is a great potential wrestler. I don't know if Kyle Fletcher will ever be a main, can be a main event wrestler. Um, he, but is he worth signing? Yeah. Yeah. Sign <laughs> Kyle Fletcher. Like, like, yes, do that. But the idea is that Kyle Fletcher is going to be your world champion in two years. Like, I don't know. That's a lot of hurdles he'll have to clear to prove to me that he has that kind of star power and, 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 and ability to do that. Um, you got it. Like we're talking about the top, you know, two or 3% of all wrestlers are really going to thrive in that role. Um, and I think that like, like, like I saw it's like, like with um, like a big thing was like, to me, it was like uh, the Wardlow and powerhouse Hobbs kind of feud. And people were, some people were more into the idea of Hobbs. Like Hobbs is the guy you got to push Wardlow. Don't push Hobbs is the new future star. Wardlow is not going to be that guy. It's Hobbs. And to me, they seem very similar talent with similar strengths and similar weaknesses. Mm -hmm. But one guy had really been pushed kind of somewhat hard in Wardlow and one guy kind of hadn't. So people were like naturally gravitating towards, gravitating towards, we got to push Hobbs. Um, But if I were to take a step back and I'm like, I don't know if either of these guys can really be top stars because I think they have the same kind of weaknesses and I haven't seen really anything to change that. But the allure of potential, and Hobbs certainly has potential, makes people sometimes overreact to they need to be pushed now. And it always is kind of like, um, you know, it's, it's the same thing in sports where like draft picks or prospects are more valuable commodities than known quantities. Mm-hmm. Because the, I, the, mystery, the mystery and the ability to dream on somebody is more exciting than knowing what you have. Even if the thing that you know that what you have is a, is a strong baseline and a useful piece to whatever team you have. Just like the same way if Jungle Boy, Darby Allen, and Sammy Guevara are not main event stars. They're not people that should be world champion um, does not mean that they don't have a lot of value to you as a company. They're just no, exactly. not at that level. And in AEW, there's not a shortage of people that are at that level. Like, it's not like they're really, it's great to have young new stars, but it's also like not necessarily, uh, and you always need more star power, right? But it's not like they're like, they're not like all Japan pro wrestling where it's like, all right, we've got Kento Miyahara. It's like, man, we really need yep. this Jake Lee thing to work because we do not have anybody else. No, but I'm serious. That's no, like no, the opportunity know, the, that I was presented. Yeah, the comparison is, is adept, yes. Like, 
and as opposed to AEW, it's like, you know, Brian Danielson can't even get a world title run in because we've got so many people and you, you, we've got to work Hangman back into the mix. We've got MJF, there's, you know, MJF is this person where it was very obvious this person should be world champion in like a, a you know, a once in a, like, not like, I know it's part of his catchphrase, but like once in a generation talent, it's very obvious, like yes. one year into AEW that like, okay, he has to be a world champion. Um, but and, and, and it's I tough part to clear. And, and I think part of what you're, you know, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned WWE. And I think that's also part of the, it's part of the equation here is that, you know, in WWE, if you are not painted into a title scene, you, you, you are not perceived as thriving. Right. And I think that's some holdover for, you know, 20 years of the same company doing the same thing, you know, in a quasi monopoly. Um, whereas, you know, whereas AEW has shown that a thriving mid card is possible and important and you can still get yourself over. You can still be a top guy in the company without being, you know, at the absolute highest level, you know, nose pressed against the ceiling kind of thing. Because because there are other spots on the card where you can grow, where you can thrive, where your strengths will be used to their max. Doesn't so it doesn't necessarily mean that if Jungle Boy never makes it to a world championship level, doesn't mean he's a failure. You know, it doesn't. And I think that's what a lot of criticism is or lack of is uh, is is. Uh, uh, I'm gonna well, pussyfooting. I guess the word is pussyfooting around the the the, the idea that. You know, I don't want to say I don't want to say Jungle Boy is not going to be a, a, a world champion because that means he's going to be a failure. But no, that's not what it means at all. I you know I don't want to say that uh, Darby Allen will never be a world champion because that'll mean he'll he'll have failed. No, you know it, it. And that's a big thing, like the idea that especially in the WWE's "You Deserve It" era, like if you, if you win the world championship once, you're success for life. Miz world Miz world champ Miz two world championships for Miz. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like can't say whatever you say two world championships. Like, but it's a um, one of those things where it's like so, but it creates this dynamic where it's like if you don't win a world championship, you're a failure. And I and I wrote an article about this regarding Wardlow a couple months ago mm -hmm. that I was saying like I think Wardlow's ceiling is probably upper mid card challenger type, kind of where he's slotted now until he really shows like i think more dynamicism in the ring um in, in more comfortable promos i don't see him as someone like if you were to like who mjf or wardlow who should i who should be the face of my company wardlow looks the part which helps you know you know oh, we know how superstar much jr loves them yes we yes. yeah like i said thanks superstar billy graham that's this is why you know you are why we think this is is you know you conditioned yeah. generations of people um but uh it's a, um, you, you wouldn't compare them like a skill set, who is the more dynamic performer, who can get people more emotionally invested in their feuds and programs and who can draw money because of that. I'm looking at like an MJF. I'm looking at like a Hangman Page or mm -hmm. a Kenny Omega or a John Moxley type. Um, and and, and those just, four guys you just mentioned there will get you in the building for entirely different reasons on top of that. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that you're a failure. No. Um, just like how in a... In real sports, there's plenty of people that have very successful careers where they made 
tens if not hundreds of millions of dollars and they were never all-stars and they never won championships i remember uh jalen rose former nba player saying that like when you get to the nba like everyone wants to be an all-star or mvp like everyone wants to be all-star mvp everyone wants to be that level and eventually most guys realize that they're probably not going to hit that level um what the next best best thing you can be is a veteran that's the next you you have someone that was is in the league for a number of years sure. that has been making pay, cash and big paychecks for years and has the respect of of someone that knows what they're doing and this and wrestling is the same way not everyone is going to be world champion but the next best thing is to there's plenty of roles to be put in that and i think with wwe you know passing the world title around pretty much anyone that's stuck around the company for a long enough period of time has kind of changed that, but it is something that you're going to have to learn. And, you know, New Japan has for the most part been good about this. Like Haruki Goto is never going to be the world champion. No. Doesn't mean that he hasn't had a really great career with tons of memorable moments and been a really useful wrestler that has the respect and admiration of anyone who's watched him. Tomohiro Ishii is another good example. Like these guys, these guys who are just, you've had roles to fill and not only fill them well, Filled them on a level that, you know, probably escaped all uh, expectations as well. And they're going to have, they're going to be remembered. They fantastic careers, um, you know, lauded on multiple levels. Yeah, the comparison Right, and there's a reason, and there's a reason Ishii was never world champion. Ishii or Okada, who should be world champion. Ishii or Tanahashi, who should be world champion. Oh, no, I know. Ishii or Naito, who should be world champion. Ishii or Evil, who should be world champion. Okay, that last one was bad. But the point is, is that like, it's not because, you know, it's, it, it was, it was the world championship is important, really matters who has it, at least it should. It should. Um, and Ishii was never at that level does not mean that Ishii should be a failure. And we need to, I think wrestling fans need to understand, like get reconditioned to that, especially American wrestling fans, because WWE has made it. So, you know, Roddy Piper was never the world champion, you know? And then, yeah, Mr. Perfect. I think he was AWA champion, but he was never, you know, a, a real major world champion. Hey, when it was hey Dusty Rhodes was never WWF champion. Have you heard this? Have you heard this? Dusty Rhodes? No, I, I, he was not Dusty Rhodes. No, but, no, he was never. The legendary just Dusty Rhodes. Right? Well, it must be really important then for Cody to, to want to win the title because... Dusty was never WWF champion. I know it's pro- he's probably he probably thinks about it every day. I'll tell you what. Uh, <laughs> so, but, um, but some excellent points, and you know, there's a lot of. I agree. I think we had a great discussion. Look, if we were to bring it back, like to the match itself, MJF retains. Right? I don't think there's much of a question. And 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 that's part of the problem for the build is that nobody believes that MJF is going to lose, even though theoretically the odds are stacked against them. Right? That's part of the 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 like fundamental marketing of a four-way match is in some ways like the idea that MJF it's he's only got a 25% chance of retaining. Mm-hmm. He could someone else could be pinned and he he could lose the title. Which I really hope they don't do. I really um, hope to, I, I it doesn't make sense to do it. I don't see I don't see who Could you imagine just imagine the internet if Sammy Guevara like pinned Jungle Boy oh in a fluke to win the title. Oh my god. Yeah, I think no. I'd have to like break my phone because I couldn't I couldn't witness the discourse if that happened. But and I, Twitter, I don't see, I, I, and discords. I don't know. It'd just be yeah. awful, 
awful. I think he's like a huge favorite to win. I think he's like someone said. I think he's like fifty. Like everyone else is fifty to one or something like that. And Sammy uh, is the 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 odds on favorite. No MJF. Oh MJF. I wasn't clear. No. If Sammy was <laughs> if MJF happening? was fifty if MJF was fifty to one I would yeah. be uh I'd be placing some hypothetical units on uh on, on MJF different day. <laughs> Um, no, like, like it's just, and that, and that's, you know, that, that hurts a build. If you, the main event is, it feels oh, like I a agree. foregone conclusion for sure. Maybe they have something big up their sleeves. Maybe there's going to be a big angle at the end of the show. Um, you know, yeah, look, I, and I agree. I think, I think the, I think the match has all the potential to be very good because the guys who are in the match are way too talented. That's the thing, right? They're just, they're just and it's talented. so important. It's so important to them. Yeah. So I think they're going to go they're going they're going to they're going to do the max to make this to shut everyone up ultimately they're like look you bitched for weeks now look at this is what this is the, this is the end product right ultimately yeah. it's for guys like me and, they're going to do it for guys yeah. like me and mjf's you know a really good meat and potatoes wrestler and um like darby's out, out of his mind mm-hmm. like darby will, will 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 die for this he will. Um, to like a scary degree <laughs> sammy is right up there as far as just someone that's going to like one of the reasons I've I've probably been higher on Sammy than other people is just because I see a guy that just he goes out there and he works so hard and he's Every willing to do anything to get over and he'll take all these crazy bumps and he 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 wants to be great. He I do think he wants to be great like really bad. Mm-hmm. Um and Jungle Boy's no slouch in the, the the that department either. He's going to work extremely hard. No, and, and he's had biggest match, and he's had fantastic pay per view matches. Jungle Boy, the yeah. the, the, the cage yeah. match with Lucha, with Lucha, Luchasaurus, the casket match. Yeah. No, what the coffin, whatever they called it, the the, the burial match, Last, final it? the final burial, the final burial match. That was fantastic too. Like he, again, he's no slouch. The, the problem is not that we don't think these guys are is, is that these guys are bad wrestlers. It's all the opposite. It's, it's in, and some of the discourse will go too far. Be like these guys suck. No, it's no, like, that's, it, that's not the point. Suck, yeah, no, they really don't. Um, they really don't. And 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 as far as like a like an effort standpoint, like these guys know what people have been saying about this feud. And these guys know what the buildup has been, and they know that they feel like people are are, are have been hating and dumping on it. I think that's just going to motivate them to like with, with with Darby. I'm like kind of scared mm-hmm. like oh darby he really feels like he needs to prove a point goddamn what this what what on earth is this madman going to do yep. so i actually think his wrestling exploits are the least of his uh challenges to his potential physical health in the long run um i agree but um well there you go look at we're, we're 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 all in agreement i think uh as far as the how this match is going to go down and you know what we expect out of it you know, for all the for all the 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 hand wringing and complaining leading up to it, I think we're it's going to end up being entertaining, and MGF yeah. is going to retain. At at the risk of avoiding trying to stretch this into flagship wrestling lengths, um, it's probably another match on this show that's probably going to happen that uh, hasn't been announced yet, but seems like there's probably going to be a Ricky Starks and Jay White match. I think so. Do you want to talk? We. I can talk about that for days. I can talk about this one for days because as much as I hate, I hated the, the 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 build to the main event. This feud here has just been. I think it's been completely off the rails. I don't know what's wrong with Tony. I don't know why these guys weren't having promo offs every week. 
Mm-hmm. That's my, you know, I I know like some of the argument is like, oh, bring Jay, Jay White in as a top international star. Sure, I get that. But like, let's even break it down to its more basic structure. These are two guys who not only are great mic workers, but fantastic banterers. Is that a word? Yeah. Um, y- y- you know, you just have one guy at the top of the ramp, the other guy in the ring, and you're ha- give them five minutes. And that's all the internet is going to talk about for the next week. Yeah. I mean, that is a huge whiff in just not carving out the promo time. These aren't guys that you need to script or or give points to, I think, the way you might have to with some other guys. And we talk about young guys that maybe have usurped the the uh, the rest of the four pillars, the non-MJF pillars, in uh, as far as who should be marketed as top stars. These are, these are two other ones that mm-hmm. I think most people would agree are more ready for that position. Certainly Jay White is. He's been a top guy for years already in New Japan. And um the and finish was what it, yeah. the finish was was what the finish was going to be on Wednesday. I thought their match was like really good. I thought there. like they I, I well I, when they were doing it I just I was able to a pre because he hasn't wrestled a ton a lot lately for obvious reasons. Like I was like, oh yeah, Jay White's like really good and he's really good in a different way than the other really good wrestlers in AEW. And you can immediately kind of see what he brings to the table. And Ricky Starks firing up as a baby face. Like, I was like, this is, and I and I had the exact I had the exact same issues with the buildup um, as you have worn. But when I watched that match, I was like, this is going someplace yeah. really good. And that the issue, the buildup and the issues the buildup are gonna go out the window because they're gonna set the tone for what they can do. Um, then they did the finish, which I get why they did it. And I actually don't hate the idea of doing a, a, a at least doing a, uh, doing an interference DQ, doing a DQ finish that has a point and you do a DQ finish once every few months and you kind of keep the credibility mm. of the idea of that being a real finish in place. Um, but it seems, again, what's frustrating about this is that it seems so simple. Mm-hmm. It's just like, Get, let these guys talk to each other mm-hmm. in the ring. They're going to sell their match. The people are, both guys are over. You know, people pop for Jay White when he comes out. People knew who he was mm-hmm. when he debuted. Yep. Like, people knew that. Like, it wasn't like they needed video packages. Like, the fans knew that. People love Rookie Starks. Um, one guy's an obvious he- baby face. One guy's an obvious heel. Like you said, great banter. Mm. Um, guys that can think on their feet, guys that can react, guys that can sell emotion. Just give them some time and they're going to deliver. It's like having, you know, great, you know, players on your team, having a great basketball, a great scorer on your team and not giving them the ball. Yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. Having a great hitter on your baseball team and not but batting them ninth in the order or having them only pinch hit. Like you just got to give them an opportunity and you know they're going to thrive. And that just, whether it's a time crunch and there shouldn't be a time crunch, even if it was on Rampage. I, primarily, I'd want, I like to see it on Dynamite just because that's such a higher platform show. But even just doing it on a Rampage, um, you'd, you'd get something out of it. Uh, and it just hasn't happened yet. I hope it's not too late, Warren. Okay. They've, 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 heard it, they've, they've hurt themselves so far, but it's not too late. No. Dynamite, you could get this interaction. And they're like, I'm gonna, we'll, I'll see you at the pay-per-view. And then they go out and they have an excellent 20-minute match at the pay-per-view. I'm hoping that there's something to ignite this because I haven't lost faith. It's just baffling to me. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely baffling 
Um, Unf- unforced error. Like even like the build up to the the four way match, like we know what the motivations for Tony were in, mm-hmm. in the booking. Which is like let's throw these guys in and let's hope they can carry their, their weight. Um, hasn't worked out the way they thought to, but the obvious motivation was there. With Ricky Starks, Jay White, it's way more baffling because I don't understand. We don't really understand why. They haven't been given the time to deliver. Why why they feel like background players here. And you can you can absolutely add that on top of, you know, the, as far as this being baffling, because we're talking about Jay White a lot, but Ricky Starks coming off of his coming off of his big time match with MJF leading into his big time feud with Chris Jericho that he won handily. And then he's like, he's feud with Jay White, let's go, but it is such a background feud. On top yeah. of it all, that's what makes this thing completely, completely baffling to to me. Like it's the word I keep repeating, but I think it's the most apt way to describe it. Because having these guys on my roster, what are you talking about? Look, they to their defense, they did give Ricky Starks pyro on Wednesday. Ricky came across like a star. Yes, like he was. Yes. In, I know he was in one of his many hometowns. Um, but but that's what you should do, if right. you're good. You know. They they were. Um, I guess they weren't the main event. They were the last match. Um, yeah, I hate it when they say main event and it's not the thing that closes the show. I, hate I don't that. know. Do they ever advertise that as the main event? They didn't just advertise. Robert, it. They didn't advertise it. To be yeah. fair, it's just they mentioned it on commentary. Time for our main event. No. Yeah, it's not. and it was but weird that it wasn't because usually Dynamite has a main event. But I also understand why they wanted to go off the. the oh, the you could not finish yeah. Dynamite in any other way this Wednesday. I yeah. that I'm I'm convinced of. You could yeah, not finish it been, any other way. Yeah, and you certainly wouldn't have done like you do the Hangman Page return and then Ricky Starks and Jay White come out and then they have a DQ finish in the main event. That's <laughs> that's not working. That doesn't work at all. No. Um, I mean, look, these are these are these are two again super talented guys, but on many levels, and they're you know in compare and contrast of what we've been talking about in regards to the pillars. And you know what? I think I think the the more structured time environment for Jay White is going to be beneficial. I think it's beneficial for him already because I agree. I think the match the match was getting somewhere. I, the, the the final third of the match before the DQ was really cooking, like they were landing. Great, they were landing their big moves, and it was really exciting. Yeah, once Ricky fired up, like, yeah, so you know, um, if, like, if yeah. we're getting Jay White out of the 35 40 minute environment, which doesn't necessarily suit his style to a degree, right? Because he's not the work rate beast, you know, he's not, yeah, you know, and I'm not trying to, 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 to shit on him on any way, shape, or form because I've been very much a pro Jay White guy, and I think. Since he came back from the pandemic, Jay White has improved. Like his move set is wider. He's he's a lot more. He 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 works harder. He's not the guy that with the main criticism that that everyone had when he was the knife pervert when he was coming out all in white and all that stuff where he was like, you know, oh Jay White matches are boring. You could you could not watch a Jay White match in uh, last year and say this is boring. You could not like because. He's changed his style up. He's changed his game tremendously. And maybe it was, you know, in uh, under the guise of, hey, you know what? My 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 contract is coming up and I wanna I wanna cater to the American to the North American crowds now. And the North American crowds means shorter matches, so I gotta and a little more dynamic, so I gotta 
I got to change it up. I got to add things into it. And that's fantastic. If that's your motivation, if money's the motivation, that's fine. Do it. Um, so, but uh, that's my very long-winded way of saying, I think that with how he's developed his moveset in the latter part of his tenure in New Japan and the, you know, the, the more concise uh, matches that he's going to have to have at least in the, in the short to midterm, uh, I think he's gonna he's gonna be he's gonna thrive here. He's it's going to benefit him tremendously. And then on top of that, people are gonna find out just how great of a talker he is. It, he's a you know he's a, a fireworks show just waiting to happen. Yeah, I've gone back and forth on kind of my appreciation of Jay White over the years, but I've said like as far as just a really talented person, when we talk about talent. Mm-hmm. We talk about top guy talent that we were. T- I was talking about earlier. He's someone that fits the bill. Yeah. I think in New Japan there was something about, uh, and part of it was he the pandemic. Living, you know, I think he lives in the United States. Fine, Japan. Just the, the, there's a consistency missing with him um, that was kind of frustrating. And I I do think being the now, AEW is not always perfect at this, but the structure of weekly television and getting him on TV each week kind of would force his character to um, progress along mm-hmm. and his stories to make more, uh, can have more consistency to them as far as what's happening in them week to week than in New Japan, where he's kind of telling this, this years long story that the interest kind of wax and wanes on, on how people, how interesting people find it. But um, there's no denying that he's super talented and that he has the uh, charisma, the mic ability, and the in-ring work to to be one of the to be a world champion in AEW. Um, there's nothing stopping him from doing that. Um, he has all the talent to do that. I don't have the same questions I have with him the way I would have with um, Jungle Boy or sure. Wardlow or, or Sammy. Yeah. Now, again, like at the time we're recording this, you know, this is we're we're throwing out a hypothetical here, but let's say hypothetically the match happens. Who do you have win though, Jesse? This is a this is an interesting one, right? Because 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 Ricky Starks is on the way up. He's on the mm-hmm. ascendancy, and he beat Chris Jericho. Um, I don't think this is the last match they'll they'll ever have. Um, so I, I would say Jay White is going to win. I think Jay White has to win his first big big match. He does, does he? Right. Um. Uh. And so Ricky is someone who I don't think necessarily is someone that needs to win and be undefeated for a long period of time to stay over. Mm-hmm. He has the charisma and connection with the audience where being super dominant as a wrestler is not as critical as it is for maybe some other people that have different skill sets or, or perhaps limitations in that regard. I think that in Jay, um, you got to establish Jay as top guy. Yep. Like, Full stop. Yep. Um, and so, and and, that, and he needs. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't. No, and I, I. So I think he needs to win. You can't have him lose. I could see. What I could see is I see I see Jay winning with with Juice interfering. Sure. Yes. Like, in, in in Bullet Club style, of course. Yeah. Um. The um. No. You know. And 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 since Ricky has that 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 basis of you know upper guy at least you know uh, in ascension you know if jay white beats him it comes across as really really good and yeah he didn't beat a he didn't beat a mid card he he didn't beat like a random mid card guy he beat he beat a guy on the way up and i agree 
Yeah, what what I think what what we like about Ricky Starks is the fire. It's the scrappy attitude of of Ricky Starks. So, if this program continues, and I think it should, because I think we no juice has been squeezed out of this orange as as it stands right now. I think we've still got a lot of good potential stuff to come out of this feud if they decide to go with it. I think a pissed off little angry hothead scrappy. You know, uh, Ricky Starks clawing his way back to Jay White and then getting the win on top of him. I think that uh, I think that's that's good for him. I think that's something yeah. that people will easily get behind. I think there's been a lot of juice. It's been a lot of juice in this feud. There hasn't been enough of those other guys, but there's been a lot of juice. All right. And on that note, we're gonna wrap it up for. This uh, preview show of AEW Dynamite ran through it all, so we're going to we're going to Dynamite. Close the you mean double double, AW, double or nothing? This is this is yeah, this is it's true. It, I, we've been talking for a long time. It's it's okay. Yeah, but at the same time, if there's anything consistent about me, is that I'll mess up the names, the show names, rather regularly. Jesse, thank you so much for joining me today and and having this great talk about double or nothing and all sorts of aspects i wasn't expecting anything less and this was fantastic audio and video at the same time with your with your with your ball cap you look great let everyone know uh let everyone know where they can follow you and uh, get acquainted with your work yeah i always just say for now at least that just following me on twitter at jesse callings is just the best place to find out what i'm doing and and where you can find it um, but generally speaking, you know, I'll, I'm on Wrestle, WrestleNomics every Sunday. We go live right on YouTube at 11 a.m. It gets posted, you know, in your podcast app feeds, uh, you know, usually the next day. Um, I'll be on tomorrow. We'll be talking with Brandon. I don't know if this when this is going to uh, This This will but... be on. I'm actually counter-programming Brandon tomorrow. Oh, no, I don't okay. know, but no, but I am. I am going to put this. Out I'll be. I, I'm going to be like Lex Luger. Then I'm going to be on both uh, <laughs> both shows at once. So you have to wear the puffy shirt tomorrow, is what yeah. we're saying. Yes, I'll wear a dress shirt, so it'll look like I'm different, and I'll shave, so I'll be like a little bit. I'll look like a little bit different. Um, but um, yeah, so I'll be on WrestleNomics tomorrow. I mean, we're going to be talking about a lot of stuff. Nick Khan gave a very interesting um, kind of like 45 minute uh appearance at a press conference yes uh mm-hmm. i don't know if he appeared yesterday but the audio was out yesterday um talking a lot about things i think the thing that made the rounds publicly uh on like the aggregators was uh they're playing an india show that's going on there's uh, actually a really interesting story wwe stock just went down mm-hmm. uh yesterday and uh i guess it's being attributed to um endeavor is not super uh bullish on fox's interest in SmackDown and renewing at maybe at the same rate that they thought. Um, so I'm sure we're going to get into that. We're going to talk, we'll probably talk about things like double or nothing ticket sales, um, probably a bunch of other things as well. Um, so that they'll be on tomorrow at 11 AM or today or whenever you're listening to this. Um, or if it's after the fact, you can always find it in your podcast feeds. Um, other work, the gentleman's wrestling podcast, which is my show. Um, we just had an episode go up yesterday. I had case low, um, from uh, the Open the Voice Gate podcast. And we had a really long discussion kind of touching on really like the future of wrestling and kind of where it's going and talking about what's happening now in wrestling that's going to influence the future of wrestling. We talk about kind of stuff that took place 15 years ago that influences the product today and kind of discuss what we think is happening now that's going to influence the product of the future. Um, 
really interesting discussion. Case is a really bright guy. So uh, people can check that out as well. That's, again, the Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast. You can find that anywhere you find your podcast from. And thank you so much, Warren, for having me on the show. I appreciate uh, being asked. It's always it's always a pleasure to be asked. I think that's... It is, isn't it? It's nice. Yeah. It's nice. I really haven't... When I've asked people, I really haven't been turned down that much. And if I have been turned down, it's been for a very obvious uh, and good reason. But anytime I ask people to be on my show, everyone's like, yes, I'd love to be on your show. Thank you so much for asking. And that's pretty much how I how I uh, I react as well when people ask me. Well, I mean, at the same time, your show is legitimately great because it's it's off the beaten path. I can't recommend it enough. So I can I can understand why people get excited. I was excited when you asked me on, especially to talk about CM Punk. That was a lot of fun. Um, but thank you. Thank you for, for being on here. And thank you everyone for listening, watching. If you're on YouTube right now, you know what to do. The likes, the subscriptions and all of that. Otherwise, five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, five-star ratings on Spotify are also pretty cool. Those help out a great deal. Uh, but thank you everyone. Enjoy Double or Nothing. And I will see you next time.